The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue in my, my words. Well, how about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Tim D-O-Double-G. And joining me tonight is the man behind the sound effects, at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter. What's up, everybody? Yeah, it's kind of on my mind. We also have at Cat on Twitter here with us. There's nothing wrong with the female crowd celebration. <coughs> What's up, everybody? Roddy wasn't ready. <laughs> he wasn't intro. Adulation. <laughs> and we also have at PCN underscore dirt. Crickets. Oh, come on. You in the cricket. Come on, the ladies. <laughs> Love you, dirt. That is so not true. Totally punctuated. I can say the dog loves me. <laughs> and that is PC and Dirt from popculturenetwork.com. There you go. And also joining us tonight, we have a very special guest joining us a friend of Doug's, which makes him a friend of the show, Jacob with hey. his Kickstarter. Trial, the trial and trials and tribulations of Cogain. Uh, make it as hard as possible for everyone to relay the actual title. <laughs> Don't worry about it, dude. Thank let you the audience, let, let the adulation hit you. <laughs> there you go. Definitely want to welcome yeah. Jacob to the show and thank you for joining us. And can you just let people know a little bit about you and basically like the, I guess, elevator pitch for the trials and tribulations of Code Game? Yeah, uh, so I'm a pretty new to making comics. Uh, I started actually just this past October. But since then, I've gotten three stories that are going to be in upcoming uh, independent anthologies. And then we've got Code Game on Kickstarter right now. And it is a science fantasy about a... Uh, kung fu student basically making his way through a future Chicago and battling against a up and coming um, gangster named Poison Tongue, and then he's basically just on the way. It's, it's a hero's journey on the way to his what will be his destiny and everything. So. Nice. So you're coming up on the one year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, and that that actually marks when we started on this project. Um, was really I hired. Uh, I've met the artist uh amanda johnson on uh reddit she was looking for work and i hired her to do some character design work for this and poison tongue is actually the first character she designed and then i liked it so much we i had her do the rest and then eventually once all the characters were designed i asked her if she wanted to stay on board to do the actual interior art and that's been it i mean it's we've just been steadily working on it since then um it's obviously a little bit slower because she has a full-time job just like i do and so it's, uh, you know, working in that downtime. What's it been like, uh, I guess, learning the, the ropes of collaborating with an artist 
Uh, she has actually made it very easy. I've done it, you know, a couple other times uh, for those other anthologies. But uh, there was actually a, when we first started the project, we had, uh, I like it being that like so new, but it's like everyone, it, it's, it's my creation. Uh, like this whole story is my idea. And then I hired her to do it, you know. Um, so there's a, there are contracts involved. But it was fun, like, or I, when I first, like, the first contract, like, I sent her when we were first talking, it was all messed up, and she's just like, slow down. We'll, we'll fix all of this. <laughs> uh, and so it, she has actually been a big help in that regard. Like, she is, has obviously more free, freelance experience than I do. Um, so there's been a, yeah, that's been a big boon. Like, she's been more understanding. And I, she has said that I've been much more easygoing than a lot of some of her other clients as well on just being overly picky. Like I'm trying to make a story that's interesting for her to draw, that it's not just hire her and have her draw talking heads, you know, mm-hmm. not a Bendis writer. Oh no. Getting <laughs> <laughs> the shots out early. In the yeah, right. Shots fire. I say that, but he's, yeah, I mean, his daredevil is one of my favorite uh, arcs of anyone being on a, a superhero book. <laughs> we joke because we, we kick because we love or joke because yeah, we love yeah. on here. Exactly. So probably we're gonna get into this a little later, but I'm kinda curious now how you and Doug know each other. Okay, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Are this we gonna pull on high school pictures? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no something. I wanna ask what you guys pulled on me and I wasn't even on the show. <laughs> we didn't you can't pull out high school pictures. I mean there'd be high school pictures of me, but Doug's too old for that. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> All right, here's what I want to ask. I want to ask Jacob, you know, obviously yeah, yeah. writers pull from a lot of different influences when they try to put things together. So I want yeah. to know, what did you learn from the world of professional wrestling that applies to the world of making and writing comics? Uh, well, when we wrestled, I was terrible at cutting promos. I didn't like to talk to people. <laughs> um, no, there's, there's, uh, I, I would say the like framing. So when, you know, like when you have a huge spot, it's that same idea of when you're choreographing a fight scene for comics, it's going through that same thing. Like this is the, you know, the moment when you need what would be like a pop. It's, it's that same concept. You need that pop in this moment. So, yeah. So there you guys go. We met each other through professional wrestling. <laughs> we both worked for, um, uh, oh, new Midwest wrestling. I'd forgotten the name yeah. already. Jeez. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you still talk to Ron? No, okay. No. Um, so, what, <laughs> what made you like decide to jump in and go for it? Like, what was the motivation to just say, "Okay, I'm going to throw it out there and I'm going to give this thing a shot"? Well, uh, hating my office job <laughs> is a lot of it. Like, just because um, I, yeah, it's just a job where I'm not have never been like that invested in the work I'm doing. So, I wanted, I needed that creative outlet. Um, this project had actually been started previously and fell through uh, with another artist. But yeah, that that's really what comes down to it. I've done like things where I tried to start a couple comics always with friends and they always fell through. And this was just like that sticking point. Like I wasn't happy with what I was doing. So I'm, instead of, you know, just trudging through, I was going to try and make something happen for myself. And how scary has the Kickstarter process been? Um, I will maybe have a stroke before we're done oh no like it is i 
I have very bad anxiety to begin with in situations, like e even ridiculous situations. Like I used to play Magic a lot, and we go to like big tournaments, and whenever the games mattered, I would freak out and make so many mistakes. <laughs> so, so things like this, like I, I was actually like talking to my artist that she was, you know, Amanda was kind of like iffy on that whole failing. And up to the point of actually clicking the submit button for go live, I was fine. But once it came to clicking that button, it took me like an hour and a half to actually click a single button. The whole page was made. Everything was good to go. But then I like freaked out. It was just like, what if we do fail? This will be terrible. How much help does Kickstarter actually have for you? And how much is just you diving in on your own and trying to cut uh, So there... I did a lot of research to kind of try and ensure uh, that we so weren't I had a going. Fire truck in the background there. Okay. Yeah, I tried me. to mute myself real quick. It's totally not me. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one broadcasting from New York. That's why. Uh, um, I, I did a ton of research, and I'm also in a couple groups uh, for like online groups for comic creators and independent creators. That also like it's a lot of information sharing on what works and what doesn't. There's actually a. Uh, a podcast that is literally just dedicated to um, launching comic books on Kickstarter and that platform. Uh, so a lot of listening to that kind of stuff and figuring out what works and what doesn't. There's a lot of it um, I wouldn't know if I agree with. Like They go into like the best uh, months to launch a project and stuff like that. Whereas I, I kind of actually ignored that entirely. Currently, this is like one of the worst times to launch it. But I, I think Things like that, there there comes the, you have to have faith in your project, like in, in your product and what you're putting out there. And so I I think no matter what, if your project or product is good enough, that it will succeed on that no matter when you release it. I don't know if you've gotten a copy of this yet, but I actually picked this up from uh, Jim the other day to give to you if you haven't gotten one. Comic Startup 101. Uh, uh, yeah, I so that podcast I just referenced that guy was actually a guest on it at one point. Um, I, I don't have a copy of it. Um, okay. Yeah, well, I, grabbed I, one, I grabbed one for you. So next time I see you, I'll bring this to you. Yeah. It's, uh, the guy is a comics, comicslawyer.com. Yeah. Is the site he, that he runs. He is, uh, at least from that, uh, the, the episode of the podcast, of uh, the comics on podcast that he was on, like he's very knowledgeable about the going through the contract process and everything um, on all of it. So. Yeah, it definitely seems like a, a good read for that. How many of the people that you're working with are people that you know outside of the internet? Anybody? Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, so, kind of like us. Yeah, well, like, one of my anthologies... So, Amanda and I um, are... We, we're doing Kogain together. My colorist is uh, Melody Often on that book. She, um, she did, like, the coloring for one of the stories in IDW's Judge Dredd anthology, and she's doing the new... There's an upcoming uh, image book by Joe Casey and Ulysses Farinas called Lords of New Metal. She's the colorist on that as well. And then she has her own book, Trinidad, on Stella. She's really cool. I actually met her through Ulysses, who I, I don't actually know either. Like, in real life, I only know him on the internet. I just asked him if he knew a colorist that was looking for work. Um, and then, my, yeah, my letter, I've never met... Uh, and they're all over the country. Like even one of my anthologies for uh, Stash Publishing, uh, it's called Colossal Chaos. That artist is actually in Poland. Um, so yeah, it's I've never met any of them. I actually may meet Amanda, my the artist on Kogain, 
in a couple weeks here. She lives up in Michigan, and we I may actually be going up there to see another friend of ours, so we may try and finagle actually meeting in person for the first time. And did you originally envision this as issues, not as a trade? Um, so I had, well, originally I had envisioned it as doing it kind of um, more like either Luther Strode or that Rush Limit book where they're doing it as miniseries, but it's, you know, a set of like three or four miniseries. Um, that was my original vision. And then the more I thought about it as a first project, the more I just kept like cutting out unnecessary things to just whittle it down to what was needed for the story. And that's how we got to, I mean, this is, it's going to be a four issue miniseries with one, um, with one, uh, additional, like one shot that will be off to the side that'll actually is planned to be the origin story of Poison Tone. Cause I've had multiple people seem to gravitate towards that character design a lot and they want to know more about that character so how long does it take you to crunch everything to figure out how much to ask for that was actually a lot of work and that actually was the um there was a lot of back and forth because of determining what were all the various printing options that's really where it came down to i mean uh, I already knew I had hard numbers for what the artist needed to complete what I is left in the book. Like I've already paid for a decent amount um, out of pocket and I'm not actually even asking to recuperate that amount. Uh, it is just what's left. And other than that, the main, the big one was printing and how to go about it, whether or not you're going to do digital printing or offset printing. And the, I mean, that's a huge uh, variance because digital printing allows for a much smaller number uh, to be printed. Oops. Did you ever consider going like the web comment route with it? Um, we, yes. Uh, the only problem with stuff like this one is because of all the other creators involved, uh, me paying out of pocket would just get too expensive. Mm. Um, because I, yeah, it's, I wouldn't want to not pay them. I mean, their time is, you know, important and they're trying to make, a career out of this and whatnot and and otherwise they could just be working on their own stuff too right like so um yeah th- i have some ideas for web comics that we're getting to but and this will I'll likely once it's done at some point we'll probably way down the road probably before you know issue two or something we'll probably start to put it out there a little bit more to try and you know build up more awareness for issue two you may have mentioned this uh, when I was trying to take care of my tripping alarm a second ago, but um, who else besides Amanda, who else is a part of the team? Uh, so Melody Often, who I did mention, who's a colorist. I actually forgot to mention uh, Javier Puga uh, is my color or letter rather. And he's a, um, that guy does everything. He's like Renaissance man. He's in a band called Bad Wave. He writes his own comic called Dark Beach, which I'm actually wearing the shirt for, but you can't see it. It's fantastic as well. Um, he's doing a... See, have you guys ever seen um, how there'll be like movie script competitions where you'll like submit a script and it costs so much and then they'll like, you know, there'll be a pr- uh, prize pool basically for the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually with the co-writer of Dark Beach, they've done a thing called the Ghost City Comics com- competition where they're actually using that format and they're offering like feedback from Jason Aaron and a bunch of other like pros for each level, like color every single level um, of the like comic creation. They will they have professionals that will give people feedback and then there's you know prize amounts as well. I think it's kind of neat. Nice. Who 
what were some of your inspirations in comics? I guess growing up, assuming you read kid or read comics growing up as a kid or whenever you yeah. started uh, getting into it. So like I have been into comics for way too long. Um, I used like to, that's right. yeah, I, I used to go and uh, spend my allowance at a place that's no longer here called Action Comics. Like with my dad, he would take me to the comic book store to go spend my allowance, and that it. Doug would actually know this. The, well, actually, the guys, uh, Action Incorporated. But, yeah. You know, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't actually old enough to remember the full name. Oh no! Again. Uh, but the the one of the employees there, Jim, is actually now the owner of uh, the current shop I go to, Comic Service. So at this point, Jim has known me for a majority of my life and has seen me almost on a weekly basis. Mm. Uh, but so. One of the first books they ever actually sold me, because I, I would try and buy things and I would get told no there a lot because of my age. Like that was around, you know, when when the image boom happened, like X-Men number one was huge for me. And that would have been maybe second or third grade. Mm. Um, and it was like just, you know, that was like the coolest thing ever. But then going in and trying to buy things like Shadowhawk and they would tell me no. <laughs> Uh, but at the, on that same point, they were they saving also, you a little bit. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they did sell me Bone really early. That's, um, that's a good choice, and that is still well. And it's crazy to think that book finally finished when I was in high school, right? Like, right. It, but that's still one of my favorite things I've ever read. Like, uh, especially growing up with it at that point. Like, and that book actually matures that way once they go through it. it that book's fantastic. Um, other than that, I'm a really big fan of manga as well. Like over as opposed to like Watchmen or Dark Knight, Akira is in my opinion the best comic book ever. Um, I yeah, there, there's a lot of influences. I have a lot more like current ones would be uh, guys like Ronald Wimberly who did uh, Prince of Cats. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what's uh, I guess do you keep up with any current comics nowadays, or is it all the effort? Is it one of those things I've heard like when you become a creator, you sp- spend more time I guess creating than getting to read comics. Yeah, I so I'm trying to balance that out right now because I'm still buying a lot, but then or not not a lot, a lot, but it, it's still I'm buying more than I can actually keep up with at this point. <laughs> so I've got to figure that out. Uh, there are a it's few, yeah, like there there's still a few that I will read as they come out or make sure that I do. Um, Eric Powell's Hillbilly, I actually really like. Like I fell off of Goon near the end, but Hillbilly I've enjoyed. Um, Shade the Changing Girl, I've actually liked a lot from uh, that young animal imprint that DC is doing. Uh, and Daniel Warren Johnson's Extremity over at Image, that book is amazing. That's probably one of my favorite ones right now. That's on my list. Uh, yeah. I see the, I see it each each month, and I'm like, oh, I need to you know finally start that first issue, and then it's so good. Another month goes by. Yeah, that guy is incredible. Like his art is ridiculous. <laughs> Have you started doing the contour? No, no, no. <laughs> that can probably get a little expensive, I imagine. Yeah, I've looked into it, and that's a very intimidating thing, is the, like, how, especially as a writer, how do you make it worth it to table? Right. Uh, when you can't sell, you know, commissions or anything, like, if you just have a book that, and that's kind of it, too, is the waiting until you have enough to offer where there's a very, you know, there's lots of different things to offer. And it's all sales. It's push, 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 sales, sales, right. sales. Yeah. Like, hey, check out this book. You know, every single person that walks by. 
Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, we've talked about it. We'll probably look at doing something uh, after next year, uh, try and do something between um, Michigan and down here in Springfield, Illinois. Like, so that way I can try and convince Amanda to meet up as well. Mm-hmm. And so we can be there together, I think would be a big deal. How much of a uh, draw or how much did you have to fight the urge to try to do an adaptation of a wrestling comic? With your wrestling background, <laughs> strangely enough, uh, not at all. I I am actually not a very big wrestling fan. Uh, I liked the activity of doing it, but um, it, like watching it, and I've actually th- this has changed recently because I've started watching New Japan a lot. Um, but like I, after I quit wrestling, I don't think I watched wrestling for like all, maybe ten years. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That burned out. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it, well, I was just gonna say one thing. I've always considered wrestling to be more of like a performance art. Like I've always mm. called it. Uh, there was a group in San Francisco in like the late '60s, early '70s called the Theater of the Absurd um, that would do like these weird crowd interactions and things that were very abstract and didn't make a lot of sense, but they were performing live. It wasn't necessarily telling a story in the traditional sense. And I've always used that term with professional wrestling. Like when you're out there doing it, you're doing basically live theater in front of a crowd um you know you you interact with them very differently i've always called it the theater of the absurd and so you do get people a lot of them are wrestling fans and a lot of them are you know active uh jock gymnast you know type people but then there are people that just like storytelling they like the 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 interacting with the crowd and coming up with a character and and you know presenting a storyline and working stuff through so i mean i can definitely see how that can be part of a journey. You know, a lot of times the, the greatest writers live these eclectic lives doing these weird things, not necessarily things that they like or, or attracted to, but just the idea it's different and it's not stuff that, you know, people normally experience and it gives them something to draw upon as they, as they write their stories out. Yeah. And that was, I mean, there was a lot of, there were, there was one spot that is like that where it's planning it out that always really worked where um, I had a buddy who wasn't a wrestler and we basically did it where me and another guy were fighting in the crowd. And then I, this guy got in my face, my buddy, and then I punched him and people lost their mind. Like, <laughs> they thought I just hit some crowd member. Like he fell over, broke a chair. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> but, but yeah, like stuff like that is, is a lot of fun and going through and discussing it because it's still that, yeah, it's that idea of writing and getting, how are we going to get the best crowd reaction out of what we were doing? Um, that, that was very enjoyable on that end. It's like I just asked you questions about wrestling all night. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> what was your finishing move? Uh, I don't even know what that was actually called. I was part of a tag team uh, when we were with New Midwest. And um, do, I, I don't know what the, if that actually had a proper name or not. See, I was going to ask what your wrestling name was. <laughs> that was actually a sour point for me because I got real lazy. I didn't make my name. It was oh. my name just with a K rather than a C. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were part of this like cult uh, church of Ron. <laughs> and uh, so I was just an Apostle Jacob with a K rather than a C. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound very uh, indie wrestling-ish. Yeah, it was, um, but it was it was fun too. I mean, it, Ron was very into it, and uh, he was a he great was a little like, too into it a lot of times. Yeah, like handing out Kool Aid and stuff. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, and he he was very good at getting the crowd riled up. But yeah, there are definitely moments where it was like, 
uh, uncomfortable on how into like hated he was. Yeah, you know, like he was really into people not liking that character. Yeah, and he was also one of those guys that would he would be that character in places like the grocery store or <laughs> on the <laughs> sidewalk. He was uh, always in character. Yeah. yeah, and it made a lot of people very unhappy when he would approach them, and and he'd be in character, and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I had a that was where like I was the opposite, where we would have if fans approach me outside of wrestling, I got very uncomfortable with it. If they, you know, like like that idea that they're one, they just want to talk to you about that, and two, like that, yeah, they there's that dis, there's not that disconnect of like, hey, no, I'm this person outside, which makes it worse when my name is the same. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it it was still an experience and it's not ever one I would trade for anything. And especially the group of people that we all, uh, that we did that with, like I am still in contact and friends with a good majority of them at this point. So going back to the comic for a minute, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, obviously you've got this, kung fu guy so there's there's a kung fu kung fu in, uh, influence but yeah. it's also a sci-fi book so you've got a sci-fi yeah. influence and his mentor is this little goblin uh guy so you have some kind of like fantasy influence um so like yeah. where what things do you um, feel like you're pulling from to bring the story together so uh, a big thing is like kung fu and comics it doesn't happen all that often it seems like it's it, it's just a genre that they don't approach outside of like iron fish Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Uh, unless you've read um, Infinite Kung Fu by Kagan McLeod, uh, it, which is fantastic. That book is amazing. That was one of the bigger draws. Is like I, I really enjoy that book. And so I think it's a genre that's just not dealt with that often. Um, and then with the sci-fi aspects and the fantasy aspects, uh, a lot of that is my love of Shadowrun, the role-playing game. Hmm. Um, and then just, yeah, and then just that, that manga and anime pull with a lot of our designs. But, uh, yeah, th- that's another one like that, that science fantasy, uh, genre isn't dealt with a lot in comics, especially when you're bringing in like heart, you know, like ogres and trolls and dark elves and things like that, uh, into science fiction without so making. This... <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, is this a world that you see living beyond this book? Um, well, there'll be like the one shot, and we may visit a couple of the characters depending on how things go. Like currently, only the Poison Tongue one shot is planned. Um, it will really just depend. Like, yeah, there are be, because of the way we approach this. There's definitely some world building that I've done that was almost done out of necessity, but it may not be touched on that much. But I needed to like firmly establish where we were going. So I had to, you know, plan through everything. Um, but yeah, like it could be, it will just depend on how everything goes. Cause I also don't want to like just do this w- one story forever. I've got some other stories I would like to work on. And so does Amanda. How is it? I always find this cause it's, I feel like I always have like ideas for, for things. How is it like narrowing down, like which one you're going to focus on for, you know, the first, your first comment run. And then after maybe that story's reached its like midway point or, even its endpoint, then move on to the next idea you've had percolating. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I think I may be lucky in that, in that this is an idea I've had for a few years now, um, and I love it. So, like, this is the idea of what would be, you know, the perfect comic book for me. Like, it, not necessarily the story, but like these genres are the comic book I want to see more of. Um, 
So there was almost no contest there. There's ideas I've had since then that I'm really excited to get to, but I'm not there yet. So that's a frustrating one where I'm like, I really want to work on this other thing, but I have to get this one done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Any plans to make uh, Shadowrun character sheets for these guys in the back of issues uh, three and four? Uh, maybe if I would not get sued. I don't know. I have to look <laughs> into that. But <laughs> It, yeah, it would, on the character, it, you know. Yeah, it would be fun. Uh, we actually approached doing it, um, some stuff with it with friends as a like a campaign um, in that world, just to kind of flesh things out. Uh, but we ran out of time, and people's schedules just didn't work. You had mentioned that you know in the past you've tried making comments with your buddies, but it, it never works out. Mm-hmm. Can you describe like how how it was when you came to that realization that if you were really gonna go for it, you had to, I guess, do it solo? Um, yeah, it. I've had yeah. It's really just the like waiting because they're a friend, so you have this like, hey, let's do this story and we flesh it all out, and then it would be here's some character designs on on when when it comes to the Kogain one specifically, like here's some character designs and then months of waiting with the best I saw was some rough stuff, rough designs in a sketchbook that looked like he may have done them the night before. Um, and then just lack of like contact too. That's where you see it is when they basically just start to like disappear. Like yeah. they're just not replying and everything. And it, I waited about a year before I was just like, no, nah, this doesn't work. Cause it, it's just never going to happen. And that was actually the second time it happened. Uh, with trying to start a project and then nothing materializing, so that's really what broke it. Then always, cur- always curious about that. Yeah, and it it's one of those two where I think it's better in the long run because it doesn't put that stress on our friendship at that point. Yeah, because like you say, it's, well, even I guess in any type of freelance or sort of independent type work, it, like you mentioned with the man to get in contracts involved, you know, you may be friends, but you also want to keep everything. Uh, nice and tidy so no uh, hurt feelings come later on yeah and we've we've talked about uh him and i have actually talked about doing stuff since then and yeah that was a very since starting the stuff with amanda and everything and getting more involved and knowledgeable on that contract talk that was those talks where they didn't happen previously now happened like right away on like how are we going to deal with this because like you're you're saying you avoid it any complications later if you just deal with it at the very beginning. So all those Kickstarter people out there who may be thinking of doing one in the future. Yeah. To the man. Yeah. Do definitely just get it ironed out. Uh, it will save everyone a headache. If you know, in the occurrence that it matters. All right. Why don't you take a moment to plug the uh, anthology uh, uh, stories that you've worked on? All right. Um, so the last one, well, one has, just had the Kickstarters over, and that was Speculative Relationships, with the, which is a sci-fi romance anthology. Um, it's actually primarily based, the artists and editors are based out of Chicago. Um, the first two volumes actually included Daniel Warren Johnson that we mentioned earlier from Extremity. His uh, first published work is actually in the first volume of that. Um, so I'm really excited to be like in that book. There's previous creators and everything have like there's been a a few of them that have gone on to do some really cool stuff so that's fantastic um but that one's done and then um ever afterwards which is like a it's a community anthology which was all based around taking um 
myths and legends and folklore and then modernizing them or bringing them, pushing them into the future. Uh, and that one's from Stash Publishing, as is uh, Colossal Chaos. And Colossal Chaos, um, that one all is cool because it goes to um, a children's literacy. Per, like all proceeds go to a children's literacy uh, funds, which is fantastic. And those are both through Stash. And I think those Kickstarters are supposed to launch around November uh is what i've been made aware so yeah they're all like we did for colossal chaos there's like a big uh i did an ultraman parody i have a character that i like to do called hyper boost man so it's just a bunch of like kaiju uh that kind of stuff and more in the vein of like the tick making you know how we parody superheroes just that version for uh ultraman and godzilla and everything cool well, we definitely thank you for joining us tonight. If you have any other websites or social media where people can get in contact with you or follow you, please let them know. Uh, yeah, they can. Um, so I'm at Pop Fenton, P-O-P-F-E-N-T-O-N, on Twitter and Instagram. And then, uh, um, on, you can go to my website, too, which is just jacobouvet.com uh, to see. And you'll see some of the shorts and stuff like that that I do on there as well. And then uh, Kogan Comic on Facebook. Nice. We'll try to get those included in the show notes so people know where to find you. Awesome. Thank you very much. And we always offer this up to every guest that's on, but uh, you're more than welcome to stay on and listen to us talk about and review comics, but you're also more than welcome to get going. <laughs> you know, uh, valuable. Yes. Well, you know, he's he's got an early bedtime. Uh, he's... You know, it's, I mean, it's past his bedtime now, probably, and uh, he's going to get yelled at if he doesn't get that diaper change. Uh, so. I think we I think we started with the age jokes, and we end with yeah, the age jokes. God's fired! Thank you guys very much for having me. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I have a good one. Yeah. There you go. And he'll never be on again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That was hysterical. We'll have him back on for a second Kickstarter. <laughs> exactly. All right. Should, should we do an ad read or? Just yeah, I'll get it in. Look, I got it queued up. Let me get it in real quick. So let me tell you about Skull Candy. Skull Candy makes the best headphones, earbuds, and gaming headsets, all with lifetime warranties. Skull Candy produces many types of audio accessories, including headphones, sports earbuds, Xbox and PlayStation gaming headsets, DJ headphones, iPod headphones, and MP3 headphones. And now, for the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles, Skull Candy offers free standard shipping on your order. To help keep our podcast free, order from Skull Candy by going to cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Skull Candy banner and then shop for high quality audio accessories with free standard shipping. Skull Candy Audio through CSPN.us. Do it today. So, before the show, we usually talk amongst ourselves about what comic do we want to start with this week? And I know Roddy brought it up, but we never actually settled, settled on the one. And as I'm going through the list Avengers here, number 10. Ooh, okay. I'm a fan. Who, who read it? Potential click of the week for me. I liked it a lot. All right, I didn't read it, so talk about it. <laughs> so it stars your um, your favorite Spider-Man, Superior Octopus, and which is the, what got, which is why it got under my skin so fast. Yeah, I saw your notes for that, and I was like, I loved it because exactly. it took me back to the Superior Spider-Man days. So during Secret Empire, uh, Hydra Cap 
has assembled his own team of Avengers. I guess you call them Dark Avengers with Dot Octopus as his superior octopus, Deadpool, Taskmaster, Black Ant, Odinson, Vision, and Scarlet Witch. The last two who are being, I guess, mind controlled or technologically controlled by Hydra and Odinson, who is of his own volition, but just, I guess, is following his comrade Steve in arms. Right. And I guess he sends them on a mission, which I think Otto kind of uh, summarizes at one point during the, the issue. But they go to this place that's like crawling with these like sort of globbed eyeball creatures. I was about to say I'll ring the spoiler bell because the crux of the uh, the crux of the story is where uh, Tim Dog Nunyid is going. Essentially, this is um, a side story to the. Uh, the idea that there is a planet-wide uh, defense shield slash force field that is keeping um, spacefaring folks from coming and going. And someone is looking to take down the defense shield, and that's where we find these uh, Hydra Avengers um, heading to stop, I guess, um, uh, an attack on one of the shield generators. Yes. And then the team is broken up into uh, different groups. Deadpool is with Vision, Taskmaster, and Black Ant, Black, Black Ant are together, and then Deadpool, not Deadpool, Scarlet Witch, Odinson, and Superior Octopus. So, and then also Mark Wade, the writer, decides to sort of write it in with Otto's voice as your narrator. Right, that's the part that gets under my skin. And Mike Del Mundo's art, I love his art. It, it's, it's weird because it's sort of quirky and spooky enough where it doesn't seem like it would fit on a, you know, big headline superhero book like Avengers, but definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm liking it. There's some, there's some, there's some points where you can't, well, at least for me, it's kind of hard to like follow the action because the sort of painted colored style gets, it gets very uh, artistic with it. I guess you can say. Yeah. I mean, it's not overall. I I was going to say, because the lines are sharp, it's hard hard to make things out. That's I think that's that's more along the lines. Yeah, I can safely say that I know it worked last issue, which was a totally different, um, a, a totally different story. Even despite the fact that it was supposedly a a secret war, a secret empire tie-in, but did have nothing to do with it. Um, his art style worked great there. But um, yeah, I mean the skim to it just this this seems to be all uh, pretty cool. It, it, the only thing I guess it kind of throws me off is because I haven't been fully keeping up with Secret Empire. So which means that this you kind of have to be um, caught up with it because this is not one of those ones that's just kind of tangential. Like this is kind of just streaming from Secret Empire, right? Yeah, I saw your note that you were like, "Oh, I need to be keeping up with Secret Empire." It is, yeah, it, well, because this, is- yeah, because this in another book this week is, is like, okay, I don't know when this happened because it just kind of just jumped from whatever happened last uh, uh, issue into something directly tied into. And we've hit that point in Secret Empire where I guess we're. I think we're right over the midway point, I think, or right at the midway point where because of, it's either because of delays, which I don't think it's delayed, but issues on, it's like some books are ahead of other books. And so it's like they don't really give an, an editor's note of like where this story falls in Secret Empire. At least I don't think they do. No, no. So it, really, it can really just take place at any point, I guess, prior to uh, maybe like last, whatever the last issue of Secret Empire was. Because we like we've seen this team or these group these characters here and there in the main story, but I think mostly we're following them in like some of the tie-in books. Like obviously, Avengers is tying into it now. 
and and Otto's been over in Amazing Spider-Man terrorizing Peter Parker. And we've seen so. this group uh, appear in uh, the Secret Empire uh, miniseries proper. I'm not sure which other uh, uh, which 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 other uh, tie-in books they appeared in as a group. Yeah, I can't call it off the top of my head. Which probably there might not be outside of the main story. Possibly Amazing Spider-Man. That's probably the only place, like uh, Tim Dog was just saying, that's where we see a lot of uh, uh, spider Ock or Ultimate Octopus or whatever the hell he's calling himself now. So that's Avengers number 10. Yep. Well, I guess while we're at it then, um, let's do Champions number 11. I read that. Same. Cool. cool. Yeah, another uh, Secret Empire tie-in. Another one that actually does tell you where it comes in. Or what, what book it comes after, which in this case, two, mm-hmm. uh, Secret Empire number two. Um, and this is basically the, the champions on a, um, on a uh, rescue mission. Oh, not necessarily. Well, I guess it is a rescue mission because they're, they're basically trying to find survivors after, yeah, it's a um, after, Vega, after Vegas had an untimely meeting with um, Hydra. And they got some new, um, new, I guess you can call them team members. Because. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem like it was official as of as of this, but it's you know, it looks like they were making steps towards that because you have uh, Ironheart, Ruby Williams, you have uh, Wasp, uh, Nadia Pym. Excuse me. Well, yeah. Well, we'll we'll save that one for another for for another one. But um, and uh, Patriot, which I think we talked about this. Or was that because it was another book that Patriot we talked about? Yeah, Patriot was in uh, last weeks or two weeks ago. Sam Captain America, Sam Wilson. Okay, and speaking of uh, Falcon from said book, also uh, joins the team. So oh, this yeah. is them going through that, and you know things seem hopeless because they're not finding any survivors, and there are some there are some folks on the team that are having hard times with the situation. And uh, we also find out that this is where they get the notion to join, basically uh, join in the fight with the uh, the older heroes in Secret Empire, which again, like I said, this takes place after. Uh, Issue two, two. Of that series. That's not, yeah, that's another thing. It's like issue two was a while ago. Yeah, there's actually an ad for Secret Empire number ten in this book, so it's kind of weird. The you know dealing with the time shift, right? Which is which was another thing that kind of threw me. I was like, well, wait a minute, wouldn't this shouldn't this issue have come out well before now? But and as like last issue, like it was also a Secret Empire tie-in, had absolutely nothing to do with was well. Didn't have anything fully, to, to, anything directly to do with Secret Empire. Like they were looking for, in last issue, they were looking for Miss Marvel. And yeah, none they, of that is addressed. Yeah, I was going to say, none of that. Yeah, they totally forget about that. Yeah. I had to think, it's funny because I had to think, uh, think myself, like, where is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's with Secret She's with Secret Empire. Yeah, Secret Warriors, yeah. Which though, apparently they don't know that, but. <laughs> so. But that, that being said, like, it was a. It was a as champions tends to be. It was a, an interesting read because there's some there's always some real world uh, issues tie in that they tended to address in this book, you know, and they um, you know the the interplay within the the, the team and uh, the issues they're kind of dealing with while while trying to um, do this mission is it's kind of interesting. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, if you didn't if you're not up on secret uh, secret empire, this this will throw you off. Like, if you're just reading Champions, and be like, where the hell does this come from? And my son is actually reading Champions and not reading Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. And I kind of asked him about it the other day, and he was like, nah, you know, you just kind of roll with it. Yeah. Like, okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, basically, what he, yeah. What does he think of the series? He likes it because it's teenagers, you know? Um, but I think he's starting to get to the point where, like, he likes Spider-Man, and he read the Vision series, so he likes uh, Viv being yeah. in it. But um, he doesn't really follow any of the other characters. So I think it's just kind of getting to that point where as long as there's enough Spider-Man stuff in there, he'll, he'll be happy and he'll keep following it. But if it starts to lose the focus or he leaves the team or something like that, then, um, you know, it may be one that he drops. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of the case, you know, with every, uh, big team up book, right? Right. That's always, uh, you know, that's always the draw. It's like, Oh, my favorite character is here and I get other characters. But if my favorite character leaves, well, there go, there goes on the chopping block. Most most cases, yeah, I know because when I come when I was coming into comics and coming across Avengers, there was like, hey, all these characters, you know, I kind of, you know, I've always liked the team aspect of, of the Avengers more than just one or two of the characters that were in it. Except for there were some that were like exclusive to most times. Sure enough, yeah. All right, so let's see what else can we talk about. How about Des <coughs> Reed? Dirt as usual has not filled in the sheet. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> let's see um did you read uh nick fury i did read nick fury let's talk about that i tweeted about that because the artwork was fantastic it had an awesome uh, four-page spread that you can only appreciate if you buy two copies and lay them out side by side yeah, that was an homage to uh, a Storenko issue um uh which yeah there's another uh, uh Storenko called into into the book actually right in the um, y'all, so, I mean, y'all, okay, y'all so, were so hyped about this that I'm going to try to check it out because I want to see this. I think the, the actual physical issue, thanks to uh, PCN underscore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the artworks is, is always pretty fabulous in, in the book and it was, to, to the point to where it could be just like uh, Avengers a bit much because there's a lot to follow with the action in it. But it's it's always great. I mean, like the, the, so far, there's still been like one and done stories, like Nick just going around and getting the stuff. And in this case, he's on a night vacation because he ends up going to a little small town that, that, that ends up being a, a what was a school for uh, assassins that he finds out midway in thanks to, you know, not being told about it ahead of time. So he, it's just him kind of just getting in a fight with uh, town folk slash assassins and basically clearing out the town like he's like he's John Wick or something. And a clown with a machine gun. Yes. Although there was kind of one, there was a one page where he finds out, was like, yeah, what, where he found out this was a town full of assassins, and they had a picture of a cat. I'm like, is that is the cat going to be an assassin? Is the cat <laughs> going to be an assassin? And I was waiting for that to happen, and it never happened. So, but yeah, um, like you said, it's it's a one and done story. All of these have been so far, but they're all fun. They're all well done. Um, it feels basically like you're watching a TV show. Um, you know, it's like uh, these one and done issues are like watching a, an episode of this. Uh, ongoing series like where's he going to go this time who's he going to get into a fight with this time um but the the artwork is just so incredible in this book uh i don't know how you pronounce that guy's name aco 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 oh yeah aco yeah um but uh the you know the artwork is always this trippy weirdly colored full of detail um you know lots of stuff happening in the backgrounds and these crazy page layouts and but it's it's never to the point where it's confusing you know, there are a lot of books that they throw in weird panels just to be weird, and sometimes it's hard to follow. Um, but his always seems to follow this kinetic energy that, that goes from page to page, which is part of the fun of reading it. Um, and and just, I know this version of Nick Fury, they even talk about the fact that, you know, he has to live up to uh, his dad um, so people don't take him as seriously and, and he's not thought of in the same way, which is what 
is happening with most of the readers. You know, a lot of people going, I don't know if I like this Nick Fury. He's not his dad. They, they don't take him as seriously, whatever. So it, it pokes fun at itself in the same way that the stuff happens in real life, which I appreciate. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I just continue to enjoy the series. It's one of those, every time I sit down, I know I'm going to be entertained. Um, it, there hasn't been a bad one in the bunch yet. So uh, this continues to be one of those that I was, I was, you know, unless something happens to make me extremely forgetful, this is one of those books that I make sure I sit down and read on Tuesday when I'm getting all the new comics. Like this is the one, you know, I take a break, have some lunch. This is one of the ones I'm going to read because I know I'm always going to enjoy it. Yeah. And I feel like there's still going to be, there's a thread in there that that's probably going to come out at some point, or maybe it might not be. And like, maybe this, this book could just be a, ser- a whole series of <clears throat> one and done adventures with Nick, you know, because they hadn't tied it, it definitely is not tied into secret, mm, me, secret empire or anything. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, uh, like, some of the characters he's met along the way are going to come back, you know, circle back in some way. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm wondering how long is the book going to last, since it kind of seems like James Robinson might be done with Marvel. At least that's my assumption, since he's going to be taking over Wonder Woman later this year. Right. Well, we'll find out after twelve, because that's usually how how long his book ends up. End up because he's, he's replaced on Cable. By Ed Brisson, once Marvel Legacy begins, so that was another book he's writing. <sighs> I feel like, and it, uh, I feel weird about it because they, I feel like they've waited so long to do this Nick Fury series, and now they finally did it. But I'm sure he's like contracted for like twelve issues or whatever. So maybe what which was this five? Mm-hmm. I, guess it was, yeah. I was gonna say maybe they stop it at six, but I feel like that announcement would have been made already if it wasn't gonna last that long. Probably would have seen it in solicitors over or something. Yeah, or maybe it's like one of those stealth miniseries that Marvel always planned to go that long, but never. <laughs> yeah, can let us know. Possible, always possible. But yeah, it's definitely a good book. Everybody should give it a shot. And uh, if you've got a chance in your local store, if they've got two copies sitting there, and they'll let you uh, lay them out, lay out those two spread side by side to get that four page layout because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Or check my Twitter. Ah. <laughs> at PCN underscore dirt. Oh, I guess if you're good at Photoshop, stitch them together. I don't know. But yeah. Who else read Justice League 26 with the Children of the Justice League? I did. Oh, no. I did. <laughs> oh, no. Listen That's a ringing that. endorsement. Yeah, I was going to say, listen to that reaction. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't as terrible as some of the other stuff that he's done, but it was still one of those things where the 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 final page was telegraphed about five pages into the story. Um, so it seemed very obvious where they were going. And then once they got there, you were just like, yep, uh, waited through this whole issue to get to this point, And it's, it's exactly what you think is going to happen. So basically you've got this war torn future. You've got these heroes that seem like the justice league, but there's something a little, there's something different about them. They're not them, but you can just tell that they're somehow connected in a way. Um, and they are fighting to get to, the time travelers uh, that we've seen throughout this hitch run in Justice League, these people that uh, they have these crystals and these crystals allow them to travel through time and they're trying to get to them so they can travel in the past and do the whole Terminator thing of changing the past to save the future. Yeah. And as they go, you start to realize, Oh, these are the children of the Justice League. Like these are, if they had offspring, these are what the offspring would be of some of these different characters uh, coming together. And no Terry McGinnis, huh? No, not not in this one. But uh Well, another thing is like this most of these, you know, dystopian futures I feel like take place a lot farther in the future. Like this says it's just twenty years in the future, which I guess is long, but I'm like, is that enough time for all these kids to be born around the same time? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, someone's getting busy in the Watchtower in the next two years. Uh, yeah. Um, but then, of course, you find out. Here's the spoiler. So go ahead and ring the spoiler bell. All right. Hold on. They're traveling in the past to stop the Justice League because somehow the Justice League is responsible. Oh. Yeah. Da, so like, a, like I said, about three or four pages in, you're like, oh, these are going to be their kids. And they're going back to stop them because somehow the Justice League caused this uh, apocalyptic, apocalyptic blah, 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 showdown. And sure enough, that's what happens. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I got the news from Tim. Tim tweeted out uh, like last week or the week before, whatever, that uh, Hitch is going to be leaving. And like that's been the one ray of sunshine is that he's not in this book much longer. Um, in fact, this may be the last arc he does. So I'm, I'm hanging around uh, waiting to hop on the next train. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, this is just biding my time. I'm, and I'm jumping on on this last arc. So it meant fine enough. Like, uh, I know when Hitch first started on Ju- Justice League of America, I was reading his stuff and I was just like, eh. <laughs> but I feel like maybe he's reached some kind of groove as far as like telling a story. Like, some of the dialogue wasn't as bad, cringeworthy as it originally was uh, when he started his run to me. But it's like the art. I like the art. Uh, I think it's like Ed. Pat Pazarin, or I forget how you pronounce or say Pizarin? his name. Pazarin. Pazarin. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like his art's gotten a lot better since he started like filling in for Hitch when Hitch can't do the writing and art. But um, I saw it pointed out how like there's no Batman, no ch- no child of Batman here, and of course you know no Damien, no Jonathan Kent, but there is a Hunter, whatever Superman and Wonder Woman's son is last name is right. But, I found it. I was when um, Agent Seven. It was talking about um, Terry McGinnis. It was kind of funny you mentioned that because I've, I've been watching um, Justice League Unlimited lately, and the, and the, um, the episodes that um, that they had a similar episode happening. So, well, that was not exactly something because the Justice League, a couple of Justice League end up going to the future, and like Terry McGinnis and I think um, Green Lantern and, and Hawkgirl's son and da 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 show up and all that kind of good mess. So I was about to ask if some of that happens, but sounds like no. Yeah. Nope, just a bunch of random. Oh, look, I got an email. Hey, everybody, my PC, my PNC mortgage statement's available. Yay! Thanks oh. for throwing that up. <laughs> oh, goodness. Got to turn off my notifications here. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> quiet hours. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, right along. Did anyone, since we were on DC, did anyone read Batman number 28? Yes. Yes. Another oh. possible click of the week. Really? And only a small appearance by Kite Man, though. <laughs> so, so we are in another chapter of the war between the Riddler and the Joker and their respective forces. And I don't know if this wasn't that strong an issue, except for except for the the stand, the uh, you know the confrontation, the the duel between the two you know kind of lead assassins in the DC universe. Um, when I say that, you kind of know who I'm referring to. Uh, that is uh, Deadshot and Deathstroke. You know, each one uh, uh, representing uh, one of the sides in this uh, war for Gotham. And, um, you know, that part was the best part of the, uh, the issue to me. I'm still not that enthusiastic about how this all fits together, to be honest. 
but um, I'm reading it, you know, just kind of waiting to see, um, you know, how how it sort of fits together. Um, this disjointed kind of non chronological storytelling um, uh, uh, that uh, Tom King is using is it takes some getting used to. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I don't like the fact that this is a flashback story, mm-hmm. um, considering you know how much of like how much younger Batman is supposed to be. And, uh, you know, there, there were only a couple of years at the beginning that we, um, you know, technically didn't see as part of the whole, uh, new 52 rebirth thing. Right. And already like within that five year span, he, he had Dick Grayson as Robin. He had Jason Todd as Robin. He had Tim Drake as Robin. Um, then Damien came in as Robin. Uh, and then, you know, the new 52 era took off after all that time happened. And we hear, we have another story in the past after we got the zero year, um, you know, background uh, flashback story uh, before. Now we've got another flashback story. No Robin, uh, so who knows? You know how this is supposed to fit in with everything else. But he's he's telling the story to Catwoman. So Batman is narrating this, but it it sounds weird to have his voice narrating a story as opposed to unfolding events. And I think that to me, like I really, it really hit me reading this uh, issue. It didn't hit me as much in the ones before, but in this one, it really did because he and Catwoman start having this banter back and forth as, as he's telling the story, uh, because it gets to the point in the story where he runs into her. And for whatever reason, he feels the need to recap to her the stuff that she was there for, which I mean, you know, when you're telling the story to somebody else and you get to the part where they were there, you go, well, you were there, you know, and you skip ahead. Mm-hmm. But instead he, because it's, you know, for our purposes, he's going to sit there and continue to recap the events that were going on. And it just feels weird. And I don't know, there's something about this whole story that I just don't, uh, you know, being a recap, flashback, being part of this conversation with Catwoman, uh, and, and you know, I mean, because it's in the past, whatever tension there really is with this story, you know that that it's it, it's already over, it's been taken care of, and they've moved on. So the only reason to tell this story is to plant some seeds for some sort of revenge or something else that's got to be coming afterwards. But uh, it just seems like they're going through a, a lot of work to get through the story, and it's just kind of hanging there um it doesn't really seem all that great of a you know thing to have to go through i mean i guess before tim chimes in i just wanted to say i don't find it that engaging i'm just you know that's just my opinion uh i you know it's there's a couple of really nice scenes in this but i'm just not engaged with uh, yeah well because you're not really seeing any of it happen really um because it's being told as the story is like this recap so you know oh there's there was that one time when all that stuff happened and then there was that time that all that other stuff happened and then they move on and you're just seeing these like splash pages of, uh, you know, a bunch of carnage and whatever, but then they move on from it. So, you know, Batman's like, in all this time I was tracking him down, but you're not actually seeing him tracking him down. He's not, you don't see him going through the clues. You don't see any of that stuff. It's just skimming through the story and it just seems to be taking too long for a story that doesn't really matter that we're just getting a recap of. Hmm. And, I think it might be one of my favorite parts of the war. <laughs> after we both, you know, after after Dirt and I just go at it, you know. I like no, how the Kite Man issue was the best. That's not okay. Be that is true. Kite Man was pretty good. I, I see, and then I like consider that like a just a one off because it just like stopped the story and just focus on Kite Man. But Maybe yeah, that's that, why it was so good. That was good. Um, I like the back and forth with the uh, Catwoman and Batman during the parts where she played a role in the flashbacks. It was kind of, it was funny. And what else I like just the whole setup with Jim Gordon at the beginning, having to go 
talked to both leaders of both sides and the the demands that came with that. That shot the that shot in Deathstroke stuff was okay. It got resolved pretty quickly. But I did like how Batman how their killing spree, you know, lasted five days and this and it seemed to drive Batman insane with anger over how many, you know, people were needlessly killed. Yeah, I just don't understand how like how did it last that long without him getting in the middle of it? Like I just don't understand. These two guys are shooting at each other and blowing stuff up and breaking things and running through things. And and how is Batman not able to follow them? Like I just don't understand how that dynamic works. And it's not explained, you know? It's just uh it took me five days to catch up to him. Why? Like that doesn't make any sense. It's like I can understand it taking, you know, a, a half hour because you're huh. saving some people, you know, whatever and um, but it should be pretty easy to go, oh, look, there's the carnage. I can hear the gunshots. They're over this way, you know? Yeah. But anyway. Any other DC? Uh, well, sure. Uh, there was Superman. I skimmed this issue. It was similar to how you described the other, super, the uh, what was it, Action Comics last week? Uh, no, it was it was the first part of the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's the history lesson as they're traveling. Right, through, right yeah. Um, yeah, because this book is every every other week now, so... Ah, two weeks ago. So um, basically, they're just continuing their family vacation through Washington, D.C. and looking at uh, stuff of U.S. history and talking about it. And, you know, they do some things like remind you that more people died in the uh, you know Korean War than Vietnam, but they're mostly forgotten. Um, they talked about the Civil War and how hard it was for, uh, you know, some of the ordinary people that got pulled into that fight. And, of course, he meets... Uh, family gathering uh, to remember their relative who died in the war, but his body was never found, which of course you're like, Oh, his body was never found. you say <laughs> guy who can fly and has x-ray vision? I wonder if he'll be able to find that. And sure enough, that becomes part of the story. But sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those where it's a nice reminder of truth, justice in the American way. Uh, it's important for, you know, parents to teach their children history and, uh, you know, make them remember the sacrifices of, uh, you know, the people who've come before them. Um, but at the same time, like I was expecting, they, they put uh, a little foreboding in the last issue. I thought someone was going to appear in this issue to, uh, you know, cause some sort of event. No, nothing. Ruckus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nothing, nothing really happened. It was just another, uh, you know, history lesson, which I mean, it's fine. Uh, it, you know, makes it different, makes it stand out uh, from some of the other stuff. But at the same time, it's like, it's Superman. I want to see him, you know, punching Nazi robots or something if you want to, you know, do a patriotic thing, but you know, whatever. It's not, it's not the worst thing ever. Um, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So yeah. All right. Cool. No one read the new gods. Oh, I read that. See, I didn't fill out my list. So, you know, <laughs> this is what I get for not filling out the list. Um, right. it, it's a Jack Kirby tribute. Um, there's nothing particular in this book that really feels, uh, like it's treading any new ground. It's not really setting the groundwork for uh, anything else. It's more or less a sampler and a reminder of who these characters are, um, what their relationships are. Um, you know how uh, uh, Orion is actually the son of dark side, but was raised by high father on new Genesis. So, you know, just to, gives you the background of the characters and uh, um, just reminds you of how they interact and, and things like that. There's um, the main story. That's all about Orion. There's uh, uh, Walt Simonson, uh, does a backup story. That's right. I did skim that, but because it's Orion, it's not all that interesting to me. <laughs> Sorry. 
but the one neat thing at the end, though, is that they reprinted um, Jack Kirby stories of a guy named Lonar, which is one of the forgotten uh, New Gods characters. Um, and it was neat to see. <laughs> he, there's actually a point where he's talking about where this uh, ancient battle had raged on in the early days before uh, the new civilization of gods took over uh, these New Gods. And when he's looking through the rubble, he pulls out Thor's helmet. No uh, kidding. From, yeah, from the Marvel <laughs> realm. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, so, you know, you got some some good Jack Kirby artwork there at the end, which is actually the main reason why I was interested in it and picked it up. Um, but like I said, the other stuff is there. If you're just unfamiliar uh, with Orion and Highfather and Darkseid and Calabac and, you know, all these characters and you don't really know how they're related or how any of that works, um, they are doing a whole bunch of specials this month. Uh, and this is the one that kicks it off. So this gives you the background gives you the information you need to have a basic understanding of what's going on with those guys as the rest of these specials come out this month. So uh, it's nothing too fantastic. It was a pretty good recap for that stuff, but uh, the reprinted remastered Jack Kirby stuff in the back was really the, what, you know, for me, what was the main point of picking it up? All right. Okay. Let's see. Was that all for DC? I think. Hey Derek, speaking of, uh, of uh, DC, did you, or did it come out the, the true believer Kirby stuff? The Black Panther and Captain America stories. Yes, those came out. It was um, uh, Black Panther and Avengers. Uh, yeah, Avengers Four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, in fact, I've got. You can see it right here, right over my. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 everything's mirrored. It's backwards. Right back here. Um, so I didn't grab the Black Panther one. I just ordered the Avengers one because this is one of those stories that I've I read a really bad reprint when I was young, mm-hmm. uh, but they actually did a you know remastered. Oh, here, let me get rid of this. Okay. Um, and so they've, you know, they they remastered and recolored all of it so it looks, you know, clean and sharp. Um, and it's really nice with the artwork. Um, and they've got the entire issue reprinted here. So it's actually, you know, fairly long because in those days they had a lot more pages uh, to work with. But then they've got um, a Kirby pinup. And then they've got this cover redone by Alex Ross in his style. And then they've got, I think it's John Cassidy, uh, yeah, doing uh, modern cap popping out of the old cover. Uh, and then they've got the cover uh, remastered and recolored with modern colors. Um, so it's you know neat to see that stuff. And then here in the back, uh, it shows you all the different stuff that's coming out as part of the uh, Kirby month. I have that Marvel Masters uh, coloring book. Oh, did you grab it this week? Yeah, it's awesome. Just very quickly. It's like a bunch of old school, you know, just uh, coloring book pages of old Marvel art. Like, uh, see if I can pull out some classic. Uh, here's a classic Kirby uh, Incredible Hulk page. Look at that. I think that's against Tyrannus. Um, you know, there's some really great stuff that I'm probably never going to color over. I'm probably just make photocopies, <laughs> you know, or order on Comixology and print it out. Here's uh, Inhumans. So this is really cool. Yeah, and technically that doesn't come out to the 15th. So your store sold it early. I'm just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, showing all the different books. Um, so we've got the uh, Avengers. We've got Black Panther. We've got uh, Groot, Thor versus Hulk, uh, Mighty Thor. Uh, there's a Captain America, Eternals and Humans, Nick Fury, Devil Dinosaur, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Iron Man. Uh, all part of the Kirby uh, 100 there. So that's cool. So there was a tribute, by the way, in the end of the New God special for Kirby um, as well. And that's why DC is printing all that New God stuff, and then Marvel is reprinting all of this uh, classic Kirby stuff as well. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Rapid review time? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff is going to be Marvel and and some other stuff. Let me run through the, through mine because it looks like I've got got a, a few to get through. Um, uh, if anyone read any of these books, uh, feel free to chime in before I move on. Uh, Mech Cadet U, number one from Boom Studios, written by Greg Pak. Um, this is actually a potential click of the week. It's a pretty classic story, uh, kind of in the vein of uh, Sword in the Stone, um, uh, but uh, involving uh, robots that come from uh, space. And the gist of the story is that they choose their pilots. And uh, the, the, the story centers around uh, 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 an academy for these pilots, and uh, they're preparing, uh, you know, the, the top of the, you know, the, the best of the best, the, uh, the top gun, basically, for these, uh, for these uh, pilots. And what ends up happening is, without spoiling too much, is that uh, uh, someone who uh, was never even part of the uh, cadet training class ends up uh, being a candidate for, uh, you know, being a pilot. And uh, that, you know, how that happens, you'll have to, you'll have to read it. It's a, it's a fun story. The art by uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, 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 a pretty uh, well-known contributor and partner of uh, Greg Pak. Um, you know, the, the, the visuals are, are, are pretty cool. So uh, make sure you uh, check that out. It's uh, from Boom Studios. I was going to ask you, was this more uh, Robotech or more Gundam? But it sounded like more Gundam. It's more Gundam, but at the end of the day, it's a lot more Iron Giant. Mm. You know, okay. but also, you know, but, but obviously there's the, the issue of the, the, the human pilot. So, um, mm. you know, that's really what, you know, that's really what struck me um, uh, in this, uh, in this uh, first issue is that is a little bit more Iron Giant based on who the protagonist is so far. Um, All New Guardians of the Galaxy, number seven. Uh, this was a mostly solo story featuring Drax, and we find out the reason for his recent vow of pacifism, uh, nonviolence. Uh, it's a pretty, uh, you know, it's a pretty moving story, and you understand how uh, someone who was nicknamed Drax the Destroyer could all of a sudden disavow all of those uh, urges and try to lead a, a nonviolent life. Um, but uh, we all know that's not going to last. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's still a pretty uh, uh, solid story. Uh, you know, uh, pretty much one and done to tr- to explain that. So. Uh, uh, it's worth it's worth the read because it's a pretty uh, quiet uh, uh, character study, and there's also a tease of um, the possible return of uh, uh, let me put it this way a previous status quo for Drax. Go flip through it and find out what I mean. Um, Generations Banner Hulk and Totally Awesome Hulk, uh, the other Greg Pak book out this week. Now, I kind of found this to be a pretty pointless story. Um, it was nice to see the two Hulks interact, but that was. The just the, that was like the, the 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 bulk of the story, and you know to a certain extent we've already seen these characters interact with each other, not so much as hulked out you know heroes, but as Amadeus Cho and Bruce Banner. So it was a little different to see them as uh, uh, Hulk One and Hulk Two, uh, kind of uh, dealing with with each other and, and duking it out. Uh, there is also um, a quick development development in the uh, book about uh, something that had been teased in Totally Awesome Hulk about uh, uh, where the uh, the dark side of the Hulk kind of resides in um, Amadeus's psyche. So there is a little bit of development on that. But either way, it really you know it didn't really uh, do all that much for me. It was uh, pretty pointless. Um, and last but not least for me is uh, Black Bolt number four. This is a potential click of the week. You guys really should read this. It's only issue number three. Um, you will never think that... Uh, issue four. Oh, is it four? Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was three. You just said four. 
It's four. Oh, my apologies. My apologies. It's okay. It's okay. Because, you know, someone decided to click on the box, and I can't see what the number is underneath my hold <laughs> in the sheet. <laughs> oh, that was probably <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Right. I'm just like, what, is it? what number is it? I can't remember. Um, well, it totally changes everything. I mean, if it was three, then I could understand, but it's four. So, yeah. you know, everything you said is out the window. So, no, but ultimately, you know, the last two issues have really developed this whole, uh, you know, prison inmate uh dialogue between uh crusher creel and black bolt and that's kind of been the the most fun uh uh you know that i've had reading crusher creel in a long time um you know you never think that they would uh you know get along as well but you know they 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 sort of do obviously they're kind of forced to um uh, and it's about time that a certain twist happens in the story um you know this twist that i've been thinking about since issue one uh, basically revolves around the fact that how long could Black Bolt really be quote-unquote lost to the Inhumans? I'll leave it at that. That'll probably get a lot of um, comic book fans thinking along the same lines. Um, read the issue and see what I mean. But uh, when it finally happens, you're like, oh, it's about time. But uh, it's so well done. Um, it's definitely a potential click of the week uh, candidate for me. And that's my rapid review. Okay. okay. Well, then I guess I'll do mine. Uh, what do I have left, actually? Oh, Darth Vader number four. We should go with that. Um, so after the events of last issue, uh, his fight with, with the Jedi Master um, in, in Fila, I guess is what his name is, didn't go so well. Uh, in fact, he lost that first round and uh, ended up a little bit broken up, uh, our Vader. But in this issue, he picks himself back up and uh, fixes himself to a point... Uh, climbs a he weirdly gets the respect of the Jedi or at least that's what it seems like in his trying to um, actually probably more what it is is like this just this Jedi was just ready to fight because basically what happens is where this Jedi is was looks like a testing ground for Jedi's uh, and he had been there for quite a while and uh, when you know Vader was coming back up to to meet him um. Actually, no, that was last year, so I'm sorry. So basically, like I said, uh, after, uh, after this issue, you know, Vader fixes himself, and uh, the Jedi thought that Vader was dead, and he, this Jedi, Jedi decides that, well, clearly Vader's got a master, so I need to go take care of him. So he goes to get his ship, um, not thinking Vader is still around. Uh, but all the while, Vader's trying to fix himself up, finds said Jedi, and um, as you would expect, <laughs> dispatches him and pretty much everyone that was that happened to be in the the uh the vicinity because Vader is petty like that. Uh and he got in the, he ends up getting the lightsaber that he's so sought after these last three or four issues. And that's where this issue ends. So, um, I'm actually trying to write this stuff down. Uh, is it, next, was it worth reading though? Um yeah, actually. I mean it was a um it was once you get to a certain point, it was like, hmm, that was seems to be a little anticlimactic, but um, but it was still a pretty decent read. I thought, you know, okay. like even the fight itself was like up until up until a certain point, the fight was like, all right, well, this could this looks like this could go. Oh wait, no, it's not gonna go on that much longer. <laughs> well, it's like the last Darth Vader series was a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very enjoyable. I liked it a lot. But I'm, well, see, and this doesn't have. Story. Yeah, and this doesn't have the the parts that made that series more fun, aka the the killer droids. Right. It's just him, and as a matter of fact, this place this takes place well before that. So this is basically f- fresh off the assembly line, sort of Vader, um, which is slightly jarring. But 
you know, we knew he had to get into something in between, you know, in between him coming to be and uh, what we know him, what we know he's going to get up into. So this is basically him on his quest to, I guess, uh, gather everything to get to the point. So, or get to the point that we know him to be. So he has, he has some falls, but uh, he picks himself up. Uh, let's see. What is next? Uh, Catalyst Prime, Noble number four. Um, so we get a little bit more on uh, what's happened to David and crew at like directly after the event, or at least we get some hints of it because uh, we get to see some things. Uh, I'm going to take it off when you do that. Um, we also, as of last issue, uh, they get, David, a.k.a. Noble, was told to meet up with um, Lorena Payne, who's basically the, the, the cause for the whole event. Um, under the guise of being the world savior, but uh, th- there's some uh, things going on with that. So she meets up with him, and also at the same time, David's wife Astrid is trying is on a hunt to try to to try to uh, catch up to him because she's wanting to find him, find out knowing that he's alive. Lorena gets in contact with her and tells her to meet uh, her at the same place where he's meeting where she's meeting him. David gets his super suit um, after being after some words with Lorena and apparently there's some mind control that she has over him to try to keep him in check and she wants him to help um, at the time help stop a, uh, an assassination attempt on her life and obviously he's hesitant because she, you know, he knows that she, she's the cause of things that happen but he also at the same time lost his memory so he's trying to get regain his memories back or at the very least find out what his name is and that's kind of his big thing the whole the last um Last few issues, she still doesn't tell him. He still does end up kind of sort of helping uh, her out, and uh, with the assassination attempt by this doctor that was apparently there, who worked on David after the you know after the white event. I mean, after excuse me, I didn't mean to say that after the event. Um, and this doctor also has some some plans of his own. Who he shows up because he apparently ends up gaining them powers at some point um, due to his tinkering around with uh, with folks. And I guess he's, I don't know if he's going after, he's the one going after Lorena, but he has some agenda on his own. And then, of course, like I said, Astrid comes in and tries to uh, find her husband, and they meet, and she doesn't know who she is, and that's a bother for her. And like I said, this Lorena opinion is kind of have uh, whatever machinations she's got going on are still in effect. Um, but yeah, like I said, we, we find, he gets finally gets a suit, and some more stuff just kind of comes out about the event, and the what's going on in the world because of it. Uh, put that up real quick. And last but not least, Unstoppable Wasp number eight, which is probably which is going to be a potential click of the week for me. Sadly, this is the, the last issue of said book because of whatever reason. Um, so at the, after the events of last issue, we got Janet Van Dyne, aka the original Wasp. Helping out Nadia try to try to get things back to together because a whole lot of things kind of went wrong and her whole uh, girl project kind of seems to be on the ruins. But like I said, Janet comes in, kind of puts the pieces back together, helps Nadia out in a, in a major way, and kind of gets to a point herself into finding out things about herself and the, you know, the things she wants to do. You know, not just helping Nadia, but kind of um, in her life in general. But the whole thing is, again, still told from Janet's point of view because, you know, like as of last, last issue when she came in, it was being told from it. Um, so, girl gets put back together. Um, 
Janet, who's pretty much been holding on to um, uh, Pim Labs the whole time, kind of sets her up there and, and the other girls there. She gets her immigration thing straightened out because apparently she found uh, some, some DNA that apparently, coincidentally, uh, Hank had on, on file and even a video that came along with it with Nadia's mother, who she's neither one of them she's never met. So she in, so that ends up being a touching moment for her because she sees this video of um, you know Hank and and uh, her mom together and find out about this DNA, which that takes care of that part. And also, um, oh, and the immigration thing also. What I almost alluded to earlier. So apparently Nadia needed a to pick a last name, and she. Basically ends up, I guess, spoiler alert, if you want to ring the bell, but ends up uh, taking Janet's last name. So she is now Nadia Van Dyne because she came to the conclusion. And she also finds out um, a little bit of her dad's history, a.k.a. the slapping. And I'm not sure if she knows about oh, Hank Tron or not. It, that They never specifically said that. And the, not the only and the only thing that has been said about that in this issue was Janet said that she was never going to tell her about that. Um, but somehow, well, but Nadia ends up going on to the internet after snooping on somebody's conversation and finds out about you know the the issues between uh, or the the you know the, the slapping of um, you know the, between Janet and Hank. But I'm not sure if she actually finds out about, like I said, what ends up happening to what Hank currently. They kind of allude to the fact that she may know, but they never say that. She, she basically was like, "Well, I didn't know he was evil, and she has a problem with that because after idolizing her dad." For so long in this and that and other, she kind of had a little uh, problem with that. But next, like she thanks to Janet, she kind of comes around to that because they have a nice heart to heart talk about it. And next, like she ends up taking Janet's name and um, and her um, her girl project is back on. Whether we see them again in other places, don't know. But it wrapped up pretty nicely. It was it was a great read, I thought. So, and um, I believe that is it for me. I have. I believe just one. One you already summarized the Generations Hope issue enough for me. There's nothing much I can add to it. Uh, Spider-Man number, I think it's nineteen. Yes, another potential click of the week where Miles is still recovering from injuries sustained at the hands of Hammerhead, and it's a lot of him going back and forth with Ganki. He mentions how he feels out of sorts. Ganki believes he knows the reason why, but he's scared to tell Miles because it's kind of important, big major deal. Kind of earth-shattering. I skimmed this issue, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, spoiler, Bill. Okay. Ganki believes that Miles shouldn't be Spider-Man anymore. It, what? He, uh-huh. he pairs it to a, 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 a cover band where... Sure, he's good. actually yeah. I thought this was an actually pretty well thought out, you know, reason, right? Yeah, he's, it basically comes down to you know, he he's good at being Spider Man. There was already an established Spider Man, and he had the same powers. Was bit by the Spider, so sure, of course, just be Spider Man. But if Peter Parker didn't exist before Miles, would Miles have gotten these powers and decided, hey, I need to call myself Spider Man and swing from webs and do all these crazy things? I mean, possibly yes. Well, I mean, it's Maybe. funny because of where he came from in the Ultimate Universe. Because right. in that universe, Peter Parker was dead. There was no more Spider-Man. So he was essentially filling that hole. But in the new um, you know, reality, post-Secret uh, Wars reality, 
there is no more Ultimate Universe, so there was no hole that he was filling to take the place of Peter Parker, so, you know, it is a redundancy in the character. Maybe it is time for him to come up with a new identity. Or is there an Ultimate Universe? You're underwater. The Ultimate Universe could be underwater, sure. <laughs> oh, man. It's part of Atlantis. All right. It's where the Pacific Rim monsters came from. Oh. I'm great. So uh, uh, what I really liked about the issue besides that was, like uh, Agent 70 said, Bendis sort of breaks down the reasons why Genki believes Miles shouldn't be Spider-Man. And it, of course, takes a lot of pages because there's a lot of talking, but all the all the facts make sense. And part of me wonders, is Bendis starting to lay seeds for uh, future legacy story arc for miles where he decides to hang up being spider-man because in spider-man two number one uh peter parker at one point says like he sort of regrets or maybe not regrets he he says something to the extent of like you know i shouldn't have said you could be spider-man or you shouldn't be spider-man anymore so i'm wondering if like miles will start having all this doubt in his head and then uh go to the fact of like how hectic his his life is now and i went ahead and read the solicit for Spider-Man <laughs> October issue, and he says the same, like, the solicit says the same thing about how he's being pulled in all these different directions and breaking point. So, more than likely, he's not gonna quit being Spider-Man. He'll, like, something will happen that'll, like, rejuvenate his sense of uh, whatnot, but, like... This is his version of like, Spider-Man no more. Yeah, I was about to say, he, like, kind of like the cover. Could he like decide to adopt a different superhero name and not come to Spider Man anymore? Man Spider, <laughs> or Kid Spider Boy on the on the cartoon. But uh, there's actually a, there's actually a scene in this that I liked even more than, or just as much as the the you know the the, the conversation between Gonki and Miles. Um, it was between uh, Miles's parents. I thought that was a really well done uh, uh, conversation. That whole like uh, scene between the two. Mm-hmm. So possible uh, right now it's a possible <laughs> click of the week. All right, you don't have to decide yet. You still got three. Come exactly. We're almost there. I got three to go for three to choose from, but uh, I'm done for tonight. All right. Well, first thing I got to throw out here, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Cars three movie adaptation came out uh, this week, uh, and and I bring this up for two reasons. One, uh, the movie was phenomenal, uh, and second of all. My son uh, got into comics in the first place because the Cars comics were coming out from Boom Studios when he was like three or four years old. And, you know, that's the time you got to find stuff for them to read and get them to start reading stuff. So he actually cut his teeth on the Cars comics. And that's what started him uh, in the uh, sad and lonely addiction of reading comics. So uh, just had to, you know, mention the fact that that came out this week. Um but as far as other stuff that I read, there's really only one other thing I think I really want to talk about, um, and that is Iron Fist, Iron Fist number six. And uh, this continues to be the greatest action movie never filmed that was turned into a comic. Um, <laughs> he's coming home from having just won the tournament, and these crazy psychos are on the tarmac waiting for his plane, wanting to kill him. Uh, and as it turns out, Shang-Chi, uh, master of Kung Fu, is also there to warn him that uh, this crazy guy, I think his name is the Seer, mm-hmm. uh, has, has sent all these people to come and kill him because um, the the guy who tried to throw the tournament in his own favor against Iron Fist has put out a contract on him. Uh, and so now every 
uh, random bad guy in the Marvel Universe is going to start coming for the bounty on Iron Fist's head. And Shang-Chi is there to, uh, to warn him and help him get into the fight. And so the movie, or the movie, the issue, <laughs> um, is uh, this big extended fight and chase scene of um, them fighting these uh, brainwashed cultist people that are trying to kill him uh, and getting back to the... Uh, I want to say his name is the Seer. I'm not sure that's right, but anyway, uh, this this is just so much fun. I mean, this book is again uh, much the way Nick Fury is one of those books that I want to make sure I read every time it comes out. This is another one of those where, like, I was a little hesitant because the last arc ended, so I was afraid. Like, is it going to lose its mojo? Is it suddenly going to switch gears? Is it going to feel like something different? Nope. This is the same fantastic uh, balls to the wall, metal pedal to the metal action fun people getting kicked in the face and chops flying all over the place. And, um, you know, it's, it's dark, it's rainy and they're having these fist fights and all these people. And, uh, it's just so much fun. It's so well done. Uh, I enjoy everything about this. So, um, this and, and Nick Fury are actually the two books in my mind that are fighting over click of the week this week for me. Uh, they're both books that, you know, they're normally not the high traffic, uh, big marquee name books, but, uh, these two books this week brought me probably the most joy, out of the stuff I read, so now I've really got to fight myself to figure out which one of the two I'm going to pick. Yeah, it is the seer. Yeah, okay. So you guys pick your stuff while I think about this. Black Bolt number three, I mean four. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Black Bolt number four. Easy peasy. I think I'm going to go with Spider-Man 19. Um, I, uh, I, well, I do already have mine. I f- there was a couple of more I actually forgot to bring up, um, but I haven't read them, so I'm just bringing them up just to shout them out. And one of them is um, Hasbro Heroes Sourcebook number two. This is the, you know, the the, the handbook of the uh, Hasbro universe. Hasbro universe. There's only three of these because it's not that big of a universe, but you know, but it's uh, just like the Marvel handbook, you know, you got. Your stat sheets about them, or your character sheets about them, and that is that. So, that's... And, and a side note, Roddy, the artist uh, who does that little intro story in there, Robert Atkins, mm-hmm. uh, he lives about a mile from me. Okay, cool. He's the guy who comes to our store for every free comic book day and Halloween comic fest and whatever. Oh, the artist, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot because even the last one had this. So there's like like Dirt mentioned, there's a little uh, a little story right before they get into it. So that's kind of neat. Uh, so, and I don't think it's connected. I'm fairly certain it's not connected to the last one because the last one was about a uh, rock and roll GI Joe. And there's also this um, free spotlight book that your comic store should probably have, um, highlighting the uh, the generations books. So if you are interested, you can check that out. So that said, oh, and there's Soul Quest number two, which I haven't read yet, but um, I think that's that'll probably be the next thing I read later on because um, that book's kind of cool. That said, my click of the week is going to be Unstoppable Wasp number eight. Oh, so I got to make a choice. <laughs> oh, man. Um, just because of the nature of the storytelling that allows it to be a book that anybody could pick up and read and enjoy, I'm going to go with Nick Fury number five because yes. it is very new reader friendly. If you've not read any before this, it doesn't matter. You can pick this one up and read it. Uh, and be hooked along with the rest of us. There you go. Nice. All right. Who's doing I am, I'm out of here. Okay. Well, Tim, you, anything you want to bring up for you before you roll out? I know you wrote a whole, a whole lot. We'll probably get into some of them. 
Um, nothing's jumping out at me right now, but look for my articles on CBR and Nerdist. There you go. Read my stuff. Give me clicks. Give me money. Y'all have a good night. Later. Right. Take it easy. Later. Um, well, since we already did an ad earlier, yeah, we just roll on into it, which I'm trying to get the last couple. But, um, crap. And hopefully I don't go underwater while I'm doing this. All right. Well, uh, Dirt and I can but, I start? Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> no, I meant... I saw you select. I saw you moving. I'm like, uh-oh, he's going to add something to this first story. Uh, no, no, just... Uh, there we go. I just got to that point. All right, we're good. Roll. All right. So uh, Marvel's Runaways executive producers confirmed that the Hulu series is all connected. All yeah, right. So, I guess, so, yeah. So did some of the other Marvel stuff? So, again. Is that what they're yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like there, there's probably going to be some connection to it, at the very least, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess. Um, I don't know. It, it mentioned something about Defenders in here, but I'm not sure. Cause, um, yeah, that's not... All right. And they don't really, spe- you know, really specify as to how it's going to connect, just that it does. Okay. So, but that being said, Marvel's Runner Race series will feature a different kind of villain. The showrunner explains. So if you know anything about the, the that series anyway, I mean, I guess it it already was about a, a different type of villain because it was about the the kid's parents, right? So, but as to what other degree it says in this article, right? Uh, on a quick note, Marvel's Ant Man and Wasp film has officially begun production. Mm-hmm. I won't say if it's in Atlanta, but actually, I'm not sure where they are, but I'm pretty sure they probably have done some stuff in in Atlanta. So I'm pretty sure that's where Tim's going. He's trying to go get his uh get his chair in there. Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman explains Chachala's unique place in the uh, MCU. So this is kind of still some more uh, San Diego Comic Con stuff, and uh, they were talking to him, them, and he, you know, gives his impression on where Chachala is at the point of the movie. All right, um, Haley Atwell uh, visited with, I believe it's a uh, uh, the uh, director of the original Agent Carter short. And uh, that fueled rumors that of uh, Peggy Carter's return to the Marvel Universe. We still don't have any confirmation on what that, uh, you know, whether or not that's going to happen. But uh, it's kind of cool that uh, she's still looking to uh, do something with uh, the role of uh, Peggy Carter. Yeah, it even mentions in the story about, I think, Tom Holland mentioned something that they're possibly bringing back one shot. So that could also be an avenue where she could come back. All right. So uh, Let's see. Yeah, man. Just, oh, yes. Arrow alum, just J.R. Ramirez joins Jessica uh, Jones season two. J.R. Ramirez, before this, this thing start, played uh, Wildcat on Arrow. All right. Um, our next story is James McAvoy, the actor, is sick of looking like a, quote, skinhead to keep making X-Men movies. Kind of understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike Patrick Stewart, who's already, uh, you know, uh, sans hair. Yes, so, but I don't think no one would ever accuse Patrick Stewart of being a skinhead. Right. What so. Patrice O'Neill would say, maybe he just came from cancer class. Oh. oh no. no. But it, it is also worth noting in this article, he was like, but, but Michael Ward does say, but I, I do like the fact that I don't have to do anything in the morning. Yeah, I guess in the course of whatever conversation he was having. So I guess that's a, if there's going to be something about it, like, sure, why not? Um, Mads Mikkelsen would play Dr. Doom in the upcoming solo film. So apparently Mads Mikkelsen was up for that, that last um, Fantastic Four movie, but in the final it wasn't a fit for him. So, but now after you know, doing Dr. Strange and Rogue One, I guess he's 
saying he'd give another shot if he was the lead or yeah if he could play doom which we all know they're working on a doctor doom movie so it is what it is on that one i mean he would kind of work i mean he would totally work yeah Matt Mickelson is a great actor so <laughs> no and and is pretty good at playing villains so hey and to be honest we don't know what a latvian accent really sounds like that's right? true that is true that's an excellent point, Dirt, because mm-hmm. you could just, you know, kind of do an amalgam of, you know, an yeah, accent with another European accent, and that would be Latverian. Or just do his accent. It wouldn't really matter. But, right. Uh, um, let's see here. Deadpool 2. First look at Zazie Beats as Domino. That's, uh, you know, this is the, 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 the one thing that was uh, definitely all over my social media feeds uh, during the middle of the week. For good for uh, well, either way, it was. I thought it was for good because it's a great look at the character and uh, reinterpret. No, meaning for ill because there were people the rap. Oh, yeah, there's always going to be haters, right? Exactly, there's going to be haters because there is. Uh, uh, let's put. Let's call it a reversal of uh, of uh, of uh, uh, an appearance, and uh, you know, of the character's appearance. We'll put it that way. Yeah, there you go. To which, yeah, they're actually using kind of a real world condition um, to explain right. why As she looks to being a black tattoo, right? <laughs> So, so, I mean, either way would have worked. Let's just be honest. Like if they had made the, uh, you know, made her an albino with a black spot tattoo, would anyone really say anything otherwise, you know? Uh, yeah, actually, probably. But, you know. No, I mean, not with this particular actress. I mean, just in terms of the interpretation. I mean, both. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so I, someone was re- complaining about one of the characters, and I forget who it was, but, uh, it, you know, in the last six months, someone was complaining about some actor portraying some character in one of the movies and how it didn't look right and whatever. And they were pointing out the fact that when Superman Returns uh, was first being shown off uh, in the trailers, people were freaking out because uh, on the back of his cape, there was no yellow Superman symbol. <laughs> it was just solid red. It didn't have the symbol. Mm-hmm. And people were freaking out because mm-hmm. that wasn't correct. Hey, yeah, I freaked so. out when there was no star on the back of Captain America's uniform in any so, of yeah, the I mean, movies. Anything, anything that's going to not be 100% true. Exactly. Out. It's, it's not always like there's some other nefarious agenda other than the fact of, hey, this is the character that right. you know we've been following for so long. Stop changing it just for everybody else. Right. But the, the stupid thing about it is there was there were there was somebody out there was like uh, I just you know I'm complaining about it because I just want a comic book accurate comic you know comic book movie I'm sitting like there has not been a comic book accurate comic book movie since maybe probably Watchmen I don't know is there, the or because everything is every pretty much mostly every movie especially Marvel movies has had some major change because you know we all remember in the comics where T- Tony Stark made Ultron or where Civil War was about Bucky clearly comic book accurate so. People are stupid. Anywho, moving right along, the original Star well, Wars. The opinions original... about people are solely the you know what? opinion of Roddy Cat, although they are often stupid. Let them, yeah, let them come. Um, the original Star Wars Revenge of the Sith ending had Padme founding the Rebel Alliance and almost killing Anakin, which sounds like that probably would have been a way better ending for her than, than what ended up happening. Um, so, yeah, there was t- talking to. Um, Somebody that has something to do with it, and that little tidbit came out, and yeah. Next. Alrighty. As per John Boyega, Star Wars The Last Jedi is going to do a proper send-off and make it uh, an amazing, amazing uh, last appearance for uh, Carrie Fisher in the Star Wars movie universe. I totally missed a couple of those. That was stupid. Uh, actually, I don't think you missed one, too, but that's fine. Where? Um, oh, Star Wars The Last Jedi goes deeper than... Yeah. Uh, ah. 
which that's fine because you know, we, you know we combined the two Deadpool too. So yeah, well that was intentional because there were there were just two yeah. different pictures. That's the only reason why I had that there. Um, so yeah, apparently they're. Let's hope that, that what they're saying is actually the case. Um, this, and this was talking to uh, director Rian Johnson, and there's been reports uh, from other places that are saying like, yeah, they're making it sound like it's not just going to be uh, Empire Strikes Back, which I'm hoping is the case because that will be not great. I mean, that's not saying Empire is not a great movie to crib from, but not directly as they did with Force Awakens. Um, so yeah, so like that, Rian Johnson was out there talking, and well, there's going to be a little more to it than this one. And of course, um, what um, Agent Seven was just talking about. Very good talking about that. Carrie Fisher send off in Last Jedi, so that's going to be that's going to be a tearjerker one way or the other. Clint Howard has a role in the Han Solo film. He is uh, his. Well, I mean, you know, it's not the first time, <laughs> not the first time that he has been in his brother's movie. Won't be the last time. So this probably shouldn't have been a, a great shock. But but he's also a, a good actor, also. So it's not like just you know just because he, the, his 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 brother's directing it. You can do that. I guess you would. Some sad news. Oh, wait. You want to take this one? It's not necessarily sad, but it's a well-earned, uh, you know, it's a well-earned uh, break from a long and storied career as director of voiceovers for the DC universe as a whole, the DC animated universe as a whole, but specifically for Batman, the animated series, Andrew Romano has officially retired. Uh, this is the person behind finding and casting the voices for uh, so many of these cartoons that have become kind of uh, the definitive voices and takes on several characters. Yeah, if you liked it, she was probably the voice director behind it. And if it has become kind of the the, uh, the, the the seminal portrayal of a certain character, it's most likely due to her choices in the matter. Which is, that's why I said it was sad. because, And that's not to say that whoever comes in behind her, I'm pretty sure there's a whole, you know, part of the list of people that, you know, that have made have had good just as good runs, but she's the most notable that that we know of in this you know in this section because like she's pretty much did almost everything. I mean, almost all of the um the, the ones that you would know and love. So, and I'm pretty sure there are, there they have people in place that uh, kind of step up with that. So, definitely well deserved, you know, in her retirement because she totally has been doing this a long long time. But like she will be missed in that. Uh, Arrow's Echo Kellum thinks the new DC series of Terrific sounds super cool because, you know, since he's playing Mr. Terrific and he just found out that, it, that there was a comic book about him, of course he would think that. <laughs> so, you know what? Hey, if I was in the same situation, I would too. All but, right. Yeah. Uh, staying in the uh, WBDC uh, live action universe, The Flash has found the elongated man and actor Hartley Sawyer. <laughs> oh, this is going to be silly. Also, the, the he. Kind of got the look, I guess. So, hey, works. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Flash season four set pick uh, debuts new costume. <clears throat> and if you're watching the video version, I think that's it. Or, yeah, there we go. You see uh, Grant Gustin kicked up with his boots and leggings. So, all right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow adds Jess McCallan in a, re- in a recurring role. Yeah, she's apparently playing one Agent Sharp, a uh, time bureau, a uh, time cop, not like the Van Damme, sadly. Oh, no. Thankfully, probably. Anyway, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow's new Muslim hero, a.k.a. ISIS, uh, is a re- response to 45. All righty. Which, I, you know, you have a Muslim character and you name them ISIS. That 
Um, well, I mean, yeah, we know why, but also, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's not like that name hasn't been around. Well, yeah, but that was that's an Egyptian. Uh, but you know, that's. I mean, I, yeah, that does kind of. I mean, it's well, it's also kind of the same reason why um, the the fictional spy um, uh, spy group from Archer had to change their name, I believe. Right. Yeah, because of that. But yeah, it's yeah, I don't. Hey, there's a reason, and that was probably said in that in that article, but. We need not go into it right now. Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Gorilla God will show up here on the Legends of Tomorrow in Season 3. So, people enjoyed him in Flash. I'm not sure if he ever showed up again in Flash because I have not caught up. But now he's going to be in Legends of Tomorrow because that makes sense. Legends of Tomorrow will also deal with more magic in Season 3. Okay, so maybe Dr. Fate? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Next up, speaking of this year's Big DC's CW crossover is going to be a two-night event and not a four-night event like the last one was. And it sounds like they're doing like two uh, two-hour movies, one per night. So that's going to be interesting. Come breaking up the seasons, but I guess it could still. But I guess it still works out that way because you know, I mean, it, it could still work out because they're probably going to put them in segment order. You know, mm. but yeah. So that's All what right. we got Monday, November twenty-fifth. Arrow and Supergirl. Oh, Aaron Supergirl moves from its usual Thursday night slot for one night early and then will air back to back and then followed by Flash and Legends of Tomorrow the night after that, that being Tuesday. Okay. Alrighty. Actor Ian McShane has joined the new Hellboy movie. Uh, McShane, known for his TV work, but also I believe he is in the John Wick movies and uh, mm-hmm. gotten a lot of exposure from those two uh, recently. Um, now has a role in the new Hellboy movie. Yes, he will be playing Professor Broom, if you know that character, Guardian of Hellboy. So, next up, uh, let's see, John Cena boards, I don't know why I put this in here, John Cena boards Transformers Bumblebee spinoff. Yes. So all that is... Pretty much. I like this next story. I actually Speaking read this. Wrestlers? Yeah, I read this on my own because um, it turns out that... Uh, Dave Batista, a.k.a. Drax the Destroyer, um, revealed that while working on, um, uh, while, while, while I guess doing promotions for uh, Guardians, I don't know if this was uh, uh, in the course of that or not, he let it drop that he's on a new comic book movie. It's an adaptation of uh, The Eternal Warrior. Hmm. Which, you know, Batista's been getting work outside of Drax, because he, uh, apparently he was also, in, he's, that's right, because he was also on Spectre. He's also going to be in that new Blade Runner movie. That that is coming out. So he's been he's been steadily getting some work. I, no, what I was going to say is he's definitely established that uh, he can portray uh, someone who's not his wrestling character on screen. Mm-hmm. So you know, even if it's not the the broadest range, there's still some range to explore. True. Moving right along, Khan to echo in theaters again as Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan returns to the big screen. Uh, that is going to happen uh, seven, September 10th and Wednesday, September 13th at 2 and 7 p.m. Go find your, you know, you can go to, to uh, fathomevents.com to see if it's playing close to you, if it's playing anywhere close to you, and go check out the magic that is that. All right. Uh, Netflix has picked up uh, LaShawn Thomas's book, Cannon Busters, I guess for an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, it's uh, it's for an animated series. Is Lashawn Le- Thomas makes it uh, uh, rings a bell? Is that a former football player? No, I do not believe so. Okay, um, I want to say it's he. I mean, he is he has done work in and he the book of the same name, but I've, he's done some stuff in animation before. I want to okay. say 
he may have been a part of Boondocks. I might be wrong about that. Um, so, but anyway, regardless, congrats to to him and his team for that. Um, Walking Dead video game star will not cross over with the show, aka Clementine, fan favorite character of the Walking Dead the, the Telltale series, will sadly not uh, be a part of the show. Thanks, says uh, Robert Kirkman, who was asked this at Comic Con. All righty. Um, fans of the current Voltron uh, series on Netflix, heads up. The next uh, installment comes out tomorrow or later tonight. Uh, if you're going to stay up and watch, feel free. Oh, it's- man. I'm not getting any sleep tonight. <laughs> I knew I was exactly, I, I knew who I was speaking to and referring to when I uh, ad libbed that one off the dome. I still need to watch the last series, the season. All right. But it's been good. So go check it out. Um, Captain America actor Emily Van Camp, uh, aka Sharon Carter was supposed to appear on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but apparently it uh, it was talked about, but it just never happened. All right. Uh, the independent comic book series Black just got optioned for a movie. Congratulations to those Congratulations. Friends. Yeah, that series just ended, uh, I believe, this week. Yeah, this week. So congrats to them for that. Um, hey, guess what, fans? <laughs> Masters of the Universe turns 30. Hey, boo! Boo! <laughs> Which is oh, you would get attacked so hard by Tyler Baker, co-host <laughs> of the Fans of Power podcast and the Pop Culture Network, every Sunday night. <laughs> Hold on, I'm still laughing. <laughs> Look, that movie was not great, but it is great for being as bad as it is. I don't know. I don't know. Oh man! So yes, August seventh is the exact date in 1987 when that movie came out. Made an underwhelming five million dollars its first weekend. And but yeah, again, it is still to some a cult classic. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, a Titan, the Titans live action TV series has cast Raven. Uh, Australian newcomer Tegan Croft has been cast as Raven in DC's upcoming live action Titan series. Which I saw that name was like, wait, Tegan and Sarah, but no, don't ask me why I even know that name. But I'm like, I'm looking for the cricket sound effect right now. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so there you go. Congrats to that. Cause I think that is actually the first person they've cast. They've cast. Yeah. Okay. Which is strange. Moving right along to comic book news. Um, Marvel assembles entire 1 billion, 1, 1 million BC, 100 BC, yeah, 1 million, yeah. 1 million BC. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I know numbers Avengers team. So here we have a, a picture of the makeup. Now of, we're the crickets. Ah, yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, so yeah, it looks to to me we have a Hulk, Iron Fist, the Phoenix, a Thor, Black Panther. I'm going to assume that's Doctor Strange. I don't know who. This, oh, Ghost Rider on a big mammoth. Listen, that was the that was the crowd pleasing uh, image right there. You know, seeing Ghost Rider on a mammoth. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, but, that makes uh, makes sense. I mean, listen, Jason Aaron and Isad Rivik should be a good combination on this. I'm willing to give it a shot, although I definitely have my doubts. Mm, indeed. Well, I and can tell you. Little- I, I can tell you, we are not ordering heavy on this. This is, this is going to be pre-orders plus a couple for the shelf. Sure. So. And that this little tagline here is, is quite interesting. It begins at the dawn of the human race and ends with a child's prayer. So I, that is actually slightly curious to me. It is going to be a fifty-page one-shot uh, by the the um, creative team that Agent Seven just mentioned. Right, the creative team from uh, the Thor God of Thunder uh, run. 
mm-hmm. that established uh, Gore the God Butcher and the three uh, you know uh, stages of Thor's uh, evolution. So look forward to that in September after we get past uh, Secret Empire Engine. Well, assuming Secret Empire is not still going at that point at the time, and Generations, which is starting this month, <coughs> which has already started actually this week. Um, next artist Alex Ross is helping bring back the Captain America we all love and miss. So this is a reference to his cover for, um, I guess the uh, the inaugural uh, Wade and Samney issue of uh, Captain America, and it's an homage to a classic Iron Man uh, cover that was, uh, I guess, the uh, the uh, culmination or the uh, the story right after Demon in a Bottle ended. Where yes, it's him uh, coming back from that. Exactly, it, it, it's a it's a it's a you know Iron Man kind of rediscovering his uh, purpose, and that's uh, sort of the uh, the. The, uh, the feeling that uh, these creators wanted to uh, have on uh, a new run of Captain America. Oh, cool. Um, speaking of Marvel Legacy, <coughs> uh, Marvel Legacy's number one first page is Mjolnir. Mjolnirific. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Mjolnir, is, you know, Mjolnir uh, has gotten uh, a lot of play lately. And, uh, you know, speaking of, and... Um, I mean, good hustle on that, on that, on that um, article title, but, you know. You know, sure, that works. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, let me let me put the camera back on you. It's all good. We're gonna get to that in a second. Yeah, exactly, we'll get to it. So, um, moving on, Marvel and DC show solidarity against online trolls. I actually uh, was a supporter in this. It was mm-hmm. really crazy that there's this one editor um, at Marvel who posted a, a a selfie with a bunch of other editors about getting a, a milkshake for, I guess, in honor of uh, the passing of Flo Steinberg. And all of a sudden, the trolls came out, and the mm. online support, you know, uh, in response was fast and furious. No pun intended, but because I, you know, because I, I, uh, I jumped in. Uh, I'm going to use a fast and furious reference, um, and uh, it also brought together the staffs, the editorial staffs of uh, Marvel and DC, uh, you know, uh, to work together and uh, and and you know, kind of strike back against these trolls. Hmm. Which is good that they said something because I was kind of wondering because like when it first happened, they, they were. Marvel is strangely silent, um, as they are in certain cases. But you know, people came out for it, and it was a good thing. Hopefully, I would love to see this kind of um, outpouring of support in a lot of other online endeavors, especially whereas you know, women and people of color are involved because that doesn't happen like this that often at all. Um, so good thing. Actually, I almost got a milkshake for tonight's show, but um, I got a cold, and this was going to cause more problems than any. Uh, next up, Genius Artist creates awesome Masters of the Universe slash Universal Monsters mashup toys. So, um, yeah, some, I don't think, oh, that's, yeah, here we go. So we have a, a picture here of, uh, many faces as a, a universe, as a Frankenstein type monster. And I guess this is somewhere on said person's, um, website where they got that. Cause that is the only picture we have on this page. Well, no, it's not. Sorry. There's, uh, Evelyn. Is the bride? So, Beast Man is Wolf Man. Uh, was it? Um, oh shoot, Rodak. Wait, what is his name? Not Dracula. Um, Hordak. Hordak. Thank you. I totally Hordak. forgot. Yes. Um, but yes, <laughs> M Hotep as well. Wait, who is this supposed to be? The Mummy. I know that, but I mean, who, Master of the Universe character? I don't. You got me. Yeah. I, I, I can't know. see a good enough look at it. I don't know. Oh. Master of what? Master of Resurrection. 
I mean, it looks like Mumra from Thundercats. I think <laughs> that's they, what I was thinking. I think but they I, that can't be right. With their stuff here. Like, that, that only works if you think about the um, the He Man Thundercats um, crossover. Crossover, yeah. yeah. But anyway, like I said, uh, and of course, uh, my man or your man, you know, you got that. So um, that's a cool looking stuff for for a nice mashup. You know, it's probably on the artist site. All right, and in some sad news, you want to take this? Yeah, this is disappointing, but this is yeah. also reported in an article written by our very own Tim Dog 98 uh, Dwayne McDuffie's estate is suing over the Milestone revival. So apparently uh, the original Milestone founders um, counted Dwayne McDuffie among them, and obviously since its passing, the remaining, uh, the remaining founders of uh, Milestone decided to restart it, but unfortunately, they left out one of the uh, creators that uh, you know left out the fourth uh, member of their collective, and now the estate is, uh, you know, is exerting its rights. Hmm. Which that whole re- um, venture has been kind of silent since uh, bringing it up a couple of years ago. Right, and most likely because there's been some legal issues behind, you know, some there's hmm. been some uh, some legal wrangling in the, you know, uh, behind closed doors. Yeah, so you know, maybe sad that, that maybe happens, but hopefully it gets patched up. No. Yeah, so I said it again. No, maybe in the efforts to settle, that's why it was uh, kind of off or below the radar for a while. But Probably now, possible. Uh, you know, now unfortunately, uh, litigation has uh, come about. Mm. So hopefully that you know that irons itself out, and we can get that revival. Um, next up, Black Women Creates a comic universe where all the superheroes are women of color. Uh, when Jasmine True... Isn't this just a twist on the black comic? N- well, no, no, no. Because... Uh, the women. No, I don't... I'm, well... Kinda. Not really. I mean, black is kind of a specific thing, though. And I think this is just... This, this is a case of she just creates this universe where just all of the superheroes are women and not people getting... You know, supervisors just because they're black type situation. There's a distinction there. If you, uh, yeah, it's a subtle one. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. But yeah, so um, so yeah, I'm not sure when that is coming out, but uh, there's an article talking about it there from the Atlanta Black Star. So good on her for for uh, for creating her stuff, and we hope to get to get to see her stuff out there. Next, Dirt, uh, your next story. It's your story. Yay! Oh, yes. <laughs> Where's the applause? Hold on, hold on. I will get the big applause out. Yes, so hold we need to do this. All of this. All this of it. All of the applause. You want to take this there? All the ladies. We're the ladies. Everybody's cheering this news. <laughs> all right. There you go, Dirt. Brian Hitch is leaving Justice League. <laughs> the end. Next story. <laughs> no said, I guess. Yes. So he will be leaving and Justice League 31, so you still got a few issues with him. So I think this that's being... five more issues? Oh. Mm-hmm. oh man. <laughs> and then he's uh and then he's leaving. But it's twice a month, right? So Yeah, I'm so it's really a month like two and a half months, so not not okay. I can do that. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> So yeah, he's talking about all the other work that he's doing for for other books, and um, you know, including Hawkman, I guess, whatever with Jeff Lemire. So yeah, he's he's not just he's just leaving this book and not. Yeah, I mean, if comics. Jeff Lemire is writing Hawkman and he's just doing the artwork, then great, I'll I'll love that series. Hmm. Well, actually, that looks like it's a one shot uh, that's coming December, um, tied into the Dark Knights stuff. So all right, but yeah. 
Harvey Awards moved to New York Comic Con in 2018. So, um, one was, I guess, one one big year year to another. So, what? This this year's the last time at Baltimore Comic Con? Yep, sounds like. So, there you go. So, I guess you can, you know, who's ever in attendance for, you know, NYCC can go check that out if they want to next year. Um, And last but not least, this was something that I guess we didn't talk about. Yeah, we didn't. In Avengers 10 this week. So, in Avengers 10 this week, uh, there was a turn in the uh, relationship between the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, and it's gotten to a more dark and even more dysfunctional place. Hmm. And as we said earlier, both of them having been taken over in various ways uh, uh, due to secret Empire shenanigans. Yeah. Right-o. Apparently sparked up... Um, a rekindling of the relationship between them or something. It was definitely strange to see, but yeah. Yep. 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 I'm sure something's going to happen with that somewhere down the line. That's going to have to come back. It probably won't. It'll probably just be dropped after this. Um, there is one, actually one last piece. Um, you touch on the variant story in the variant card. Yeah. This so there's, awesome, by the way. Yeah. So there are, it's, there's going to be, um, a set of variant covers, uh, called learn to draw the chip Zdarsky way with Marvel. Oh, excuse me, the hard to draw method is not just that. But so there are going to be a number of them, actually 20 of them to be exact, that you can pick up this fall. And it's cool because you've seen some of the, it's not in this article, but um, I've seen, oh, right, here we go. Oh, you click the image. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you are an, uh, an, an aspiring artist, you can check these out and they'll give you um, some tips as to how to sell which is definitely cool. And there's definitely some comments. If you're not an artist, Right, there's some comedy in there because Chip Zdarsky is, you know, a writer and also, mm-hmm. um, you know, behind some of the uh, the more witty uh, books that are out there right now. So, um, if you take a look at some of the preview images, there's definitely some in jokes going on. Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, As he does uh, between the yeah between the uh, the various uh, stages of the drawing. So, uh, you know, once you see that online, I think you'll be sold. Indeed, and that is coming out. It just says this fall, but we told we don't have the whenever those books come out because, because I thought there would be I thought there would say at least one but what month it is. But regardless, that's coming soon, and we'll let you know about it when that happens. And that concludes the news section for wow. uh, for this combo chronicles. So before we roll out of here, we have one little one other section that we get to from time to time, and that is the toy corner. Yes, and we will not belabor the point because we have been running long. Uh, for those of you who are on the video, I am holding the Marvel Legends cosplay edition of Mjolnir. This is battery-powered. It does make sound effects. Uh, I'm going to flip it on right now. If you just wave it, it lights up and makes noise. Um, if you uh, speak into it and say, worthy, it lights up the, uh, you know, the, uh, the rune that's uh, on the side of Mjolnir in the movie. So it's a pretty cool uh, uh, prop. Um, this will go right alongside the Captain America shield, not the metal one, which costs like almost $300, but the less expensive but still awesome uh, $100 um, Captain America shield. This was uh, bought on Amazon, and um, I'm not sure if it'll be in stores, but it probably will be soon because that's where uh, uh, you could find uh, some Captain America shields still. Uh, this is a nice, fun thing. There is uh, a leather loop at the end, so you can put it around your uh, wrist, although if you swing it enough times and you throw it at the, in the air, I don't think you're going to fly. Related to this, because it is all Thor time, it's all Thor now. Um, like, I was going to ask you, could you, um, could you throw it and have it come back to you? Oh, no, that would be nice. 
Mm. No enchantment, unfortunately. Mm. So, uh, last week I was not able to uh, meet up with. Uh, shout out to at Matt Wang ninety seven for hooking us up with uh, exclusives for um, uh, from San Diego Comic Con. This is the I'm holding up the Thor set from San Diego Comic-Con, which is uh, the box is shaped in the form of a pentagon. And if you fold it open, as you can see on my Instagram account, uh, at agent underscore 70, you will see all five figures in the uh, the box uh, as it uh, folds open from a pentagon. Uh, it's pretty cool. And um, coincidentally, just in time for tonight's show, I got in the mail today my order of the current Thor Ragnarok Marvel Legends set, which... Um, does include another version of uh, Jane Foster Thor, but um, it is the uh, Hulk, the the uh, the uh, the World War Hulk, or um, the Battle World, the uh, the Sakarian uh, Gladiator Hulk uh, build a figure. I'm just going to hold up one of the best figures I think, in my opinion, in this wave. It is the Hella. This Hella is Hella good. It's Hella tight. <laughs> What's that? It's Hella tight. Yeah, it is pretty good. So I'm looking forward to uh, opening these up. I just haven't had a chance, but now it's got now I've got like all Thor all the time in here. I've got a Mjolnir and two Thor Marvel Legend sets to uh, crack open. Fun feel. And for me, real quick, um, I got um, the Comic Con exclusive. Well, yeah, ends up what was Comic Con exclusive Ironheart figure uh, from Diamond, I believe it is. Uh, they sold some at um, was it Toys R Us? Not Toys R Us, GameStop. Because it was right there. Uh, and like uh, I just got this yesterday, and there was I'm um, opening it up. You see, there's a, a, a rendering of her on the right, and of course the figure in itself, which I haven't taken out of the box just yet because I have no space for it on the left. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool, and I can't wait to put this somewhere. The coolest part about that is that it's you know it's it's a depiction of the character without a helmet, and that's yes. the best part. Yes, and they don't. Yeah, and she's on a little diorama thing, and yeah, they don't even have a helmet in here, so that's. Oh, there's no like second help. There's no second hand. Yeah, no. So that's cool, and I believe that is also taken from uh, the uh, the cover or one of the covers that um, one of the variant covers that was like that. So, all right, it looks like he's muted for me. Something. Okay, yes, he's muted, but it's past my bedtime. I'm I'm just yawning. Not a problem. (laughs) So we are wrapping this up as we speak. So, uh, in that, folks, we would like to. Sure. Don't you have the the last read? The you have the add up? No. No, I think he just has that up. Okay. My bad. He, yeah, because he already had the. He already did that box like oh. a week or two ago. Gotcha. Just checking. I thought maybe yeah. it was a box. Oh no, this is just like my default graphic thing that oh. comes up in there. It's, it's yeah. Awful. All right. Let me get the last. So if you yeah. I was like, let me get the last ad read and then we'll wrap. Uh, this episode of the Click Nation's Combo Chronicles is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture. These shirts are cleverly themed after TV, movie, TV shows, movies, and video games. And much more, and all these shirts are all on sale. To help keep our podcast free, order from Busted Tees by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Busted Tees banner and then shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Now let's send this puppy on home. We would like to thank each and every one of you for coming out here tonight. Uh, thank you to our special guest, um, Jacob uh, was it Bouvet? Bouvier. 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 Like Marge oh. Simpson's maiden name. Yes, that's what oh. I'm thinking. 
Okay, I thought it was spelled a little bit different. But okay, cool. Yeah, that works. So there you go. Check out this uh, Kickstarter, The Trials and Tribulations of Cogain. Uh, we will have that in, that information in the show notes. And um, as, of course, as always, you can check us out individually. Uh, agent underscore 70 is agent underscore 70 on... Oh, I didn't see that. Um, on Twitter and also on Instagram. Check him out where you're sure to see, on, especially on Instagram, him posing his figures and, you know, acting out with oh. them. Stop. <laughs> yes, acting out and, and acting and doing voices for every last one of his figures as he put his dioramas together. Um, Maybe not that far. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. That's something you could do. Just, you know. And you can also check out uh, PC and underscore dirt, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter and also on Instagram himself. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. On Instagram himself as Graham Comics Reviews. Not, although I'm sure you could check out his, his PC underscore dirt um, Instagram if you want to see him laid up in his office, all luxurious like. Um, any Graham Comics Reviews that you want to? There you go. See? Hold on. Make sure, make sure we get a shot there. Bye, yeah. Look at there. Nice. <laughs> and also you can also check him out on popculturenetwork.com you can also check him out at uh, popculturenet on twitter uh, for all of his good stuff over there also check out uh, the works of one Tim Dog 98 on twitter as said thing and also um, CB Cron you can check him out and also the Click Nation twitter and theclicknation.com the site where you can find this and all of his his uh, writings there. You can find myself, Rodicat at Rodicat on Twitter and at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at um, CB Caps on Instagram, where I tweet out uh, combo panels that I enjoy and like and fawn over that are not storm always, but a lot of times they are. Uh, but you can check out this show on the TSPN.us, our, um, the channel of greatness. And you can check out all their other stuff at TSPN.us. <laughs> And you can also check us out on pretty much anywhere podcasts are um, perused mostly. I don't think we're on Spotify yet, but I'm sure that is coming swiftly. Uh, if you want to help us out, shop.cspn.us. Go and get some stuff from either our show or the other show. You know, we got some nice swag, including shirts and whatnot, which I need to wear my shirt one night. I do have this nice, um, nice, um, Dirt, you'd appreciate this one. It's, oh, uh, actually, Vol- I have it. Yeah, I have that shirt. Oh, nice. The, the Voltron. Yes. Mm. So for those who can't see, it is Voltron, also in the stylings of Tron the movie. It is is a great shirt. I love it. And with that, um, I don't think I've missed anything. We will see you guys, oh, guys and girls and peoples, next week for another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, you all have a great night. We are... Hey! Would you believe-